Welcome to This Might Be A Podcast, the song-by-song podcast about the greatest band of all time. They might be giants. I'm your host, Greg Simpson, and I'm here with Daryl Till, the illustrious Astral B, who's been played on the podcast. He's finally here as a guest to talk about the song, Someone Keeps Moving My I, I, char, char, try to say it the way Linnell does. (laughs) So here we go. Don't say it the way I say it. <laughs> How's it going, Daryl? It's going great, Greg. Thanks very much for having me. <laughs> the way <laughs> it just makes me think of like the way Linnell pronounces everything. Now, being being a Brit, you know, I was playing. Actually, I was I was showing your Montana cover or playing the one that you re-recorded for my wife, and uh, she's like, "He doesn't sound British." And I think with singing voices, it's a weird thing where like. American punk bands wanted to sound like British. They would sing like they're British. Like people think like early Green Day. Like, why do they sound British? And then there's British bands where like some of them you could tell their accent. And then some of them you'd have no idea. Like, it's a weird thing. I think it has to do with the vowel sounds. Because I think one of the main differences between British English and American English is like the way you hold your vowels. But when you sing, you hold your vowels. So (laughs) there's quite a lot of, uh, you know, British musicians that you think, yeah. Yeah. Well, then, like, there's some like. um, So I'm obsessed with a lot of Scottish bands. I like shoegaze music a lot. Both of them, (laughs) dude. I'm telling you, (laughs) Scotland has fewer people than the state of Indiana where I live. There's there's a smaller population in that whole country, but they've produced the Jesus and Mary Chain, which are one of my top five bands. Right. Um, The a bunch of new great ones. Well, then there was the Vaselines, who we take a lot of influence from. Uh-huh. Bell and Sebastian, okay. who my bands take a lot of influence from. Absolutely. Uh, then newer ones like um, uh, Veronica Falls, uh, Churches. Churches. There's a good. new one. Yes. Uh, and one I'm that me and my wife are really obsessed with is uh, Freight and Rabbit. Uh, then there's Twilight Sad. Um, I'm probably forgetting some. The Proclaimers. I don't know. There. Uh, <laughs> so there's. Uh, so many great bands. While Indiana, we've produced uh, the Jackson Five and Michael Jackson, um, two fifths of Guns N' Roses, John Mellencamp, and there's a really good band called Murder by Death that are not like super popular, but like make a living off of it. So that's what four. And Scotland is just like like, and that's in the history of Indiana. <laughs> there's like, I mean, unless you go back to like Cole Porter and like. Tin Pan Alley stuff or whatever. There must be far Musicals. too much to do in Indiana because you know I think if there's nothing to do, then you form a band. 
<laughs> uh, you're you're busy farming, I guess. Actually, I you surprised me because I, I really like um, churches, and I didn't know they were Scottish. Um, yeah. I, you know, there's only a few, apart from the Proclaimers, you can't usually hear Scottish accents when people sing, can you? Well, so you haven't heard Frightened Rabbit then? Uh, clearly not, no. He sounds incredibly Scottish. <laughs> now, the sad thing about that is he actually, he killed himself last year, the singer of that band. Um, and they've always had very depressing lyrics, mm-hmm. and maybe it's like the weather in Scotland or something that like people are inside writing music and they write sad music because it's just so, I don't know, cloudy oh, all the time. Absolutely, I don't know. it's the same. There's in Ireland as well. You know, there's like some places where there's nothing to do except form a band, and that's why they have so many amazing bands. You know, you're trapped. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've debated about doing Patreon episodes for this where. I just give myself an excuse to talk about other bands. Like, okay, it's not They Might Be Giants, but this is for the subscribers. I'm just going to give them extra content. Let's have an episode about the Jesus and Mary chain, and we can talk about how uh, they went on the dole and used the money for heroin instead and wrote their first, <laughs> the is wrote that, their first album. Is that an American expression, on the dole? No, no, but I know what it means because <laughs> of that and because of uh, Bell and Sebastian was the same deal. He had, like crippling depression and like couldn't uh he like dropped out of school so then while he was he was he was surviving on money he was getting from the government we'd call it welfare here yeah um and while he was doing that he wrote their first like two albums right so it's like a scottish thing to be very depressed and make very good music out of it but yeah you should check out frightened rabbit very scottish very good but all of their sad songs are like infinitely more sad now that he jumped off the fourth bridge and drowned himself. Very sad. Maybe I'll cut that out of the episode because it's too depressing. Yeah. But they're so yeah. good. Our secrets are smothered in dirt underneath paving stone. Lying waiting to be told. Some stay hidden whilst. So, anyway, mm. what podcast is this? This is a They Might Be Giants podcast. Yes. Let's talk about, um, I mean, you are so obviously a super fan because I, I'm guessing you joined YouTube in 2008 because in 2008 you recorded like a million piano covers. Ah. Whenever I go and grab a cover of yours off of YouTube, it's pretty much always 2008 or 2009. I, I possibly, yeah, it, it was a period of um, intense... Uh, uploading to YouTube. Uh, I don't know if yeah. it's when I got my ch- my channel, but um, now in 2008, my first daughter was born, and uh, actually the the situation was that I I found it really hard to steal time to do proper recordings, you know, because I I'd I'd got like a, you know multi track recording kit, and you know used to be in bands and and write my own material and things, and um, I didn't really have time for that. But what I did have always have time for was to sit at the piano, uh, just put my my camera down, press record play some They Might Be Giant songs, which, you know, I would do anyway, and then put them on YouTube. I, I um, In a way, I'm kind of a little bit embarrassed about the sort of fidelity 
of the recordings uh, now. But yeah. um, but I get so many nice compliments uh, about them. So yeah, I just I leave them up there. But 2008 was the yeah the year that a lot <laughs> the of the year happened. of the covering half of they might be giants catalog. And uh, I I don't know if I should say, uh, I'm I'm maybe bringing this up too soon in the podcast. But um, when I uh, I took my daughter to uh, her first they might be giants show, the only they might be giants show she's been able to go to. When was that? Let me think now. Um, I can't remember which year it was. A, a few years ago, we, we went to uh, Edinburgh to see... No, we went to Glasgow in Scotland. Nice. Uh, to the only children's show that They Might Be Giants have done in this country, to my knowledge. Um, and uh, and after, this, after the show, uh, Danny and Marty were sitting on the stage... And, um, you know, I was kind of like hanging back because it was my daughter's moment, you know, to, to meet the band. I've, you know, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to kind of push forward past all the kids. Um, and um, it was a really nice moment because uh, Danny sort of said, um, are, you, uh, are you Astral B? <laughs> ah. And I said, um, yeah. Uh, and he, he grabbed yeah. Marty. He was like, you know, he was like autographing some kid's CD. You know, like pulled Marty yeah. away from this kid and said, this guy can play more songs than They Might Be Giant songs than we can. Um, <laughs> he's the only person that knows more They Might Be Giant songs than you is Linnell. Accurate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is <laughs> possibly a little bit um, a little bit over the top. But yeah, a nice compliment. And again, I, I didn't really think that the songs on YouTube would, uh, would be that popular, but it was just a, a way of expressing myself at a time when I couldn't do anything else. Yeah, that's so great. So this must have been on the Y album tour yes it was yeah that's right yeah yeah well uh so. why just come out they i think they were actually here touring with the um you know wh- whatever else they'd done that year and um as well glean glean phone yeah. power and why all came out that year. yeah <laughs> yeah um uh, or maybe phone power came out but that was they were all part of that the 2015 dial a song cycle these guys are insane it's so crazy that so late into their career, they've twice done full year projects. Yeah, in twenty fifteen and twenty eighteen, it's just I know nuts. It is. I mean, and I remember I'm, in twenty. Yeah. I'm forty four, and the idea of doing this podcast yeah. for an hour is freaking me out. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on! Uh, I've I'll tell you, like half my guests are like, I'm so nervous, and I've been doing podcasts for probably a decade now i have another podcast called best midwestern which is about midwestern music from the united states um you know what 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 the coasters call uh flyover country trying to highlight stuff from uh middle america but i've been doing that for a really long time that one and so it's like nothing to me like i know for a lot of people like knowing that a conversation they're having going out to the world can be a little nerve wracking or just like hearing your own voice. People like you record music, so you hear your own voice a lot. Yeah. So it's a little different, but I've, I've, so I've had a lot of people that are nervous about it, but they always come out of it happy. I've never had anyone be like, I don't like how that turned out. I think it's a pretty lax podcast. As most people know, uh, we're not too anal about making it like perfectly edited no tangents. Tangents are encouraged as as we have already uh, are twenty minutes in and haven't gotten we've, to the. We've song mostly yet. talked about Scottish <laughs> bands. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm telling you, Scotland has a big influence, especially on my guitar tones and pedals, pedal choice. Oh, I'm a big My Bloody Valentine too fan, but they're they're Irish, but that's 
so close. So <laughs> I've, I've, I got to get I've, over I've there. I've been to two TMBG shows in Scotland. Um, and uh, one, yeah, the, the one I just mentioned, which was in Glasgow, that was the kids show. It was like a an old um, movie theatre. And uh, But the, yeah. the one I went to in Edinburgh was the Queen's Hall, which is this, it's basically a deconsecrated church. And it is an amazing venue. And it is the best They Might Be Giant show that I have ever been to. Um, the, wow. the acoustics were great. The way that, you know, everyone was in the, like, on the balcony and yet it was this kind of really narrow space. So it just felt like everybody was on top of the band. You know, I sent um, I sent a picture from my phone to my friend and he's, he was like, are you on the stage? <laughs> it was, it, you know, it was that close. Um, but yeah. What year was that? Uh, that was, oh man. We've had a baby this year. I've lost a lot of sleep and some brain cells. Uh, it would have been the year of... Um, no, it's gone. Let me think. Uh, <laughs> but like, I'm sure they were songs they like played. Um, past decade, at least, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, probably so, the L... Uh, um, probably the Join Us. The Join Us tour, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Join Us tour. Yeah. Yeah, whatever year that was. Yeah, that must have been a good one. That was uh, 2012, I believe. That sounds right. Um, I can't believe it's 2020. It's so weird. We're in the 20s. Um, yeah, 20, 2020. So, so your fandom. So we've been talking about your fandom of the band a little bit, but let's go back to how you got into the band initially. Okay. Well, it was uh, 1990. Um, I was 15 or 14 at the start of it. Um, I was in high school, and one minute. There's no They Might Be Giants. The next minute, there's They Might Be Giants. They're everywhere. Um, Birdhouse was a massive hit here. Um, It got to number six in the charts in the UK. So it was on the radio. And I I think I was a bit of a late starter when it came to pop music. I I didn't really um, know what kind of uh, music I liked. I just used to dip into everything. Um, But when I I heard Flood, it was like, this is it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is what I've yeah. been looking for. Um, wow. So, yeah, um, that's my, the history of the band, uh, of me and the band. Wow. Um, and I think because they were sort of seen as a new band, even though obviously now with hindsight, I know they've had, they had a couple of albums already, but um, I think they were sort of seen as like a new breakthrough act. So they appeared on a lot of radio shows, TV shows, and they, they've got a, a lot of exposure here. And it was from that that I got to hear Flood. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been a fan ever since. Oh yeah, so I was looking up. That's what I was doing before the call failed. Uh, I wanted to see how high it got in the U.S. Birdhouse. So you said six. So I'm looking at it. Yeah. The Wikipedia page for it on uh, UK. Yes, it got up to six. The Irish singles chart it got up to twelve. And oh, on right. the U.S. Billboard, on U.S. Billboard modern rock tracks. So I guess not the overall Billboard, but on the rock billboard chart it got up to three. Oh wow i didn't know it got that high yeah yeah that is that is pretty high yeah and what well, just even, interesting. even though it's their most popular album i kind of look back on it you know when i listen to flood now it, i got into them in apollo 18 so i i don't really have a reference for them blowing up on flood at least when it happened okay. so it was a couple years after but you know, when I was like, yeah, so I was like third or fourteen when I got into them, and to me though, I listened to Flood, and I it kind of blows my mind how that got popular. And I think, 
I was talking about this on the mammal episode, how Flood was huge, but Apollo 18, not so much. And I think Hmm. I nailed it down, in the U.S. at least, I nailed it down to Flood being pre-Nirvana's Nevermind and Apollo 18 being post-Nevermind. You know, we hear that a lot, that um, even uh, the band themselves have kind of blamed the explosion of grunge on their kind of not carrying on uh, with success after Flood. But I I, I don't think it's really that unusual story. I mean, Elektra... Uh, you know, put a lot of uh, promotion into Birdhouse and, and into yeah. Flood. You know, a, a hit single in the UK uh, is kind of a, a springboard to them having, uh, you know, a hit album as well. I can't remember how high the album got, but it was top 40. Um, but, you know, it, it, once people have sort of seen the band, it doesn't necessarily follow that they're going to um, keep buying the singles and uh, and keep buying the albums. And, I right. think Flood was it, Flood is kind of a shocking album if you're expecting more birdhouses, and um, in, in fact, I know we're eventually going to get to talk about someone keeps moving my chair, but in in many ways, I think maybe, maybe someone keeps maybe. moving my chair. Maybe <laughs> uh, in in many ways, I think someone keeps moving my chair is the other song on the album that sounds a bit like Birdhouse, you know, and perhaps okay. people were expecting more of more of that kind of thing. But I mean, for, sure. if you if you're a fan of They Might Be Giants, you love the uh, the fact that they dabble in all different styles. That it's so eclectic. Yeah, you know, within one right. album, the same band are producing all these different styles and sounds. But to most people, that is kind of unusual and shocking. So, I, right. I've al- right. I've always just been of the opinion that people like Birdhouse, maybe heard Flood and thought, ah, that wasn't what I was expecting. And then gave up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, yeah, because you'll see, like, at least when CD stores were more prevalent, you'd go to a store that had used CDs, and yeah. I don't remember necessarily seeing Flood, but, like, as a general principle, back then you'd sell a full album based on one song that people heard on the radio. But then oh, yeah. they would discover they didn't like the rest of it and sell it back. So there would be albums like, you know, like... I don't know. I don't even know of a good example, but where like a band, like Spin Doctors or something, where they had like one hit, <laughs> two hit, like yeah. one hit and another slightly hit, not as big hit on an album. And people heard those and they're like, nah, I don't like the rest and then sell it back. So you'll see like 20 of them in a UCD bin. But, uh, but, but hey, before we get to the song, I looked up the chart position and uh, there's a dis- disturbing fact for, uh, for the UK charts, at least that Flood, as an album, charted uh, at 14 on the UK charts, album charts, oh. which is good, but yeah. none none of their other albums in their career even charted in the UK. No. Not a single I one. I, 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 I don't, in, the, in the US, they did. In, I was just looking, like, Birdhouse got to six in the charts. They're talking about singles now. Um, Istanbul, yep. 61. Um, and mm. I believe the statue got me high peaked at 92, which, I mean, you, that doesn't uh, even get played uh-huh. on the radio, you know? Right. Uh, right. So, yeah, I, I just think it was, I don't blame Nirvana. Um, I don't think it was necessarily yeah, not a new wave but, of, 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 yeah, or, or even grunge. I, I just think it was, you know, They Might Be Giants are a, a particular, you know, I mean, it's a particular taste that, uh, you know, in music and sort of humor and everything that they might be giants appeals yeah. to. Um, and I think the hit singles have given more fans or more people an opportunity to discover them and, and find out whether they're a fan or not. But, you know, 
You can't. But then the no- force the normies. To be a fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then the normies who only liked grunge and heavy guitar music were like, "I don't like the rest of this. Like, what yeah. is this? What is this song? Dead? It's just piano. That's so exactly. lame." You know, and there's like, <laughs> and there's like this sort of folky, you know, accordion driven, and then there's like the sort of jazzy sounds on Flood as well. I mean, the, the Flood's got right. a really good range of styles on it, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. As we're gonna hear from your, and I don't want to give away anything, but your your mashup with, uh, I won't say what you mashed it up oh. with, but your hot cha, your hot cha cover that'll be coming out on the. This might be, they might be shit posting uh, flood compilation. <laughs> so does, does it have to be accepted? Does it have to be accepted? Uh, I mean, I know I, I I give you a sneak preview. Does it? It's a it's I've gonna it's gonna it. be accepted because it sounds good. Oh, okay. <laughs> it well, sounds kind. yeah. I mean, you do. It'll it's a the, good performance and good audio fidelity. It'll get the light of day so, some, I, somehow. I I wouldn't worry about that. Um, just looking at these charts again, the because uh, I've never actually, I don't think I've ever actually looked this up. Lincoln actually charted in the U.S. at 89. Well, And but Flood then... was 75, so not even that much <laughs> higher. And then Apollo 18 at 99, John Henry at 61, Factory Showroom at 89. Long Tall Weekend, surpri- uh, not surprisingly, did not chart. Mink Car 134, no, did not chart, but it was at... Well, it didn't chart on the albums, but it was number no was number one on the U.S. Kids chart. I didn't know that their very first kids album. Wow, but I mean that's cool. That's kind of like a niche thing, isn't it? I mean, I I don't understand all the sort of U.S. charts that exist, but um, I don't really you know. Either. <laughs> part of the band's history is that like Lincoln made it onto the college radio chart, so you know it's kind of. Right. I guess it just depends on which angle you're looking from, whether they were hits or not. I mean, uh, right, but the college radio charts is way because I did college radio shows, and my wife actually like was part running the college radio when she was a senior. That's way different than a bill than the Billboard charts. I mean, the Billboard charts that would be like you know, smells like Teen Spirit at number one. You know, the Lincoln is not charting on that. I could I could guarantee you know. I mean, the fact that it charted on Billboard at all is is insane to me. But then, so No was number one, just very quickly, this is interesting to me, that uh, then their other kids' albums, um, Here Come the ABCs, charted at six on the kids, okay. not on the not on the regular Billboard albums. But then Here Come the 123s charted on both. It was number nine on the kids and 172 on the regular albums chart. Here Comes Science was number four on the kids and 91 on the Billboard chart. So that one, get cracking the top 100 for the adult regular albums chart and getting up to number four for the kids i think that's quite a feat wow uh and then and then and then on the other side of the coin why charted at 181 on the regular albums chart and did not chart on the kids chart (laughs) how what (laughs) is that is that because is that because they ditched the here come the whatever's it's because the kids can't count up to 181 so the chart doesn't go that high I don't know. Do people not recognize that Y was a kid's album? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, well, they did get that one was not with Disney, if I recall. No, it that wasn't. Might no. Have something to do with well, that's just the so thing, isn't it? The, the promotion machine behind it is what I think really made the, the kids' albums uh, that they did for Disney. And I think that's really the reason why Birdhouse and Flood were so, so big over here. Right, right. Okay, so 
as happens with people on, when they first appear, there's often a large chunk of the podcast before we actually get to the song. But what do you say we get to the song? Let's do uh, it. Which, at this point, I've forgotten what it is. So <laughs> Someone keeps moving my chair. Uh, <laughs> and I'll just adjust my chair. Is the song we're supposed to be talking about. So yeah. why did you pick it? Uh, you know, I picked it because, um, A, it's a great song, uh, undeniably. Um, but also, I just think it... It is sort of an interesting um, choice uh, because of me becoming a fan in 1990. And like I said, I, I heard Flood. And if you'd listen to Birdhouse and you'd listen to Flood, you would expect something like Someone Keeps Moving My Chair to be a follow-up single. Um, and I remember actually thinking, oh, th- this will be the next single because it's so much like yeah. Birdhouse. It's this sort of unique. It isn't a, a pastiche of any other style. It's a very much a typical They Might Be Giants song. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's got that kind of uh, rock pop crossover feel about it. Um, so it was a massive surprise to me when it wasn't a single, uh, and Istanbul was. Um, and, you know, and I've even heard people say that um, you, you know maybe they would had more chart success, like a longer run in the charts, if they'd kind of released other singles like this one. Perhaps um, I don't know if it would have made a huge difference to their their fan base and their career, but um, yeah, I, I actually think this this would have made a, a another another hit potentially. Yeah, um, yeah. It's got it's, it's got, got that, that dance beat. Yeah. The, the and i think especially in the uk and i always i mean just being such a massive fan of rock history like in 1990 you had like the stone roses getting big over there and like the whole Britpop thing really starting up and the stone roses especially like I, the first album i don't know are you a fan of that band do you know oh, yeah. did you know them at all yeah yeah so were they? I mean, were they pretty much inescapable in the late '80s, early '90s? I mean, were you, you were in high school? Were you? Did you know the Stone Roses? When oh yeah, abso- first, yeah, or, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, that's what everyone else was listening to. And I was kind of. Right. I, I mentioned before that I was kind of a bit of a late start when it came to pop music. There was some. Uh, there were some really uh, uh, great songs by the Stone Roses, but again, like when I heard their albums, they're just the, the two, right? There was only the two Stone Roses albums. Um, yeah, the second one not nearly as good, but the first yeah. one is just amazing yeah oh well i mean that's the thing retrospectively now i think they're among my favorite records but like at the time yeah like i guess i was looking for a bit more variety uh in in the sound sure. and you know i i right. found it hard going like just listening to 45 minutes of of guitar um so that was the appeal of, of tmbg for me but yeah the stone roses yeah yeah, yeah they were they were kind of omnipresent and like dance was a big part of of the the music culture that was coming out at that time yeah yeah, and I think what's really revolutionary about that first one is that it was kind of like it took what people liked about the Smiths and then it added like some like jungle house style drums and percussion yeah. tracks to it. Like it made it made the Smiths more dancey. And then you had stuff like um I'm a pretty big Primal Scream fan as well. Again, their lead dude coming out of Jesus and Mary Jane. Um and they kind of combined that rock dancey kind of stuff too. So it seems like Something like someone keeps moving my chair could have been a hit Absolutely, because yeah. it's more in that vein than in like the U.S. you know Guns and Roses loving butt rock you know culture. <laughs> you know if you like if we you were listening to Poison. <laughs> well, that was that's what it seemed to be like. Uh, you know, in, yeah, in nineteen ninety, it seemed <laughs> to be like the music that was coming out of America. But no, what I was going to say was um, if you watch like videos uh, of. 
live performances of TMBG from 1992. There's there's a lot of dancing going on. Um, like these days, when you go and see the band, they're always encouraging people to dance. But it just seems to me like the audience now just want to appreciate them and just like look up in awe and and you know right, taking right. the songs. But in 1990, the the shows were just mad. People pogoing and just you know dancing to this music that probably isn't really classified as dance music, is it? TMBG, but. Yeah, it was yeah, very much a part, so. very much a part of of the music culture. I, I mean, my one of my first concerts in '92, uh, people were packed in so tight uh, that you you couldn't move, <laughs> and yet right. the, the whole audience was just like moving up and down, jumping up and down in unison. It was just incredible, uh, you know. But so, yeah, dance was a big big part of it. Um, yeah, yeah. I wasn't yeah. I wasn't particularly a dancer, but you know. There you go. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if this song would have been a big hit in the U.S., but I do think in the U.K. for what we were just, the reasons we were just saying could have pushed the um even more. Now, Apollo eighteen stuff. I don't know. Are they are there any desan- songs on Apollo eighteen that you would call dancey in the way that this is or Birdhouse? Uh, not really. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the statue got me high was the single, wasn't it? And uh, that's right. kind of like very stop start and it's got kind of different elements to it it hasn't really got like a a steady beat all the way through the drums kind of drop out and then suddenly come yeah. back in and no um so no there isn't really anything maybe like that. the guitar is pretty funky yeah yeah it is although yeah, yeah. you know when they toured in 92 um here they had not yet got the band i don't think they started with the band until they returned to the US and and that yeah. that was not in any of the shows because um I mean, the guitar is a is a a big sort of band yeah. number, even though there's no band on the record. You know, it's kind of right. It deserves a big band sound, doesn't it? And they they didn't really have that. So, I I believe you're right because I talked to well last spring I talked to Jonathan Feinberg who was their first human drummer. Yeah, and that was a Patreon episode. But I'm trying to remember because he was not in the band very long at all. No, he um, was just well as I remember in '92. They, uh, the band came over here. I, I, my first concert was February, and it was uh, like um, a, they called it a mini tour. They played about five UK dates, and it was to sort of promote the single. Um, I went to see them on a on a Saturday night in Manchester, and then uh, on Monday morning I went out and bought the Statue Got Me High single. So it was kind of for that reason, and it was a duo show. They came back in May and did some shows, uh, just one show in the UK and then some shows in other parts of Europe. When they got mm-hmm. when they got back to the states, I, that's when they started with the band. I mean, I, I remember calling Dial a Song because that, you know, it seemed like it was all over. You know, we'd had the single, yeah. the album, the second single. I'd seen them twice. They'd yeah. let they'd left the country. I was like, I need to call Dial a Song, even though, it, you know, it yeah. costs. <laughs> it used to cost a lot of money in those days calling from England, and. Um, okay. You know, right, and I remember, <laughs> I remember hearing Flans say, "You know, we're going on the road with a band." This that was the first time I'd ever heard that they were, they were going to, you know, yeah, taking a live. Okay, band so out. here I've 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 fact checked it here. So Jonathan or JD Feinberg, as they called him, because there were too many Johns, uh, he was only on one tour, and it was called the and and only on one single song, um, their O Tannenbaum single. He played on. Uh, so in 1992, they called it the Don't Tread on the Cut-Up Snake World Tour. That's right. And 
<laughs> World Tour is kind of a deceptive term in that they only played California, Hawaii, and Japan. Right. So this was a Pacific <laughs> yeah. Pacific Ocean tour. Uh, so they did play. So Feinberg did get to play internationally with them, but only Japan, not the UK. So you are correct that he was not. He never played in the UK. So I believe yeah, they must have was, come over with yeah. just the Johns. There is the, uh, not studio recordings, but there is some um, some really great live recordings with uh, with JD Feinberg drumming on. It's um, yeah. they, yep. they were put out you got during... to be on their uh, Tonight Show, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, did you get that um, MP3 thing that they did with eMusic, um, TMBG Unlimited? Were you around for that? Yeah, I got, I got it, I got it from someone long after the fact. Yeah, yeah. They um, they put out about five, six live recordings that I think were the earliest incarnation of the band. So that was uh, JD Feinberg on drums. Um, yeah, that was Tony Mayomi on bass. Yeah, and. Uh... Yeah, they didn't add a second guitarist until no. Factory Showroom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, wow. Okay, cool. So um, let's get back to someone keeps moving my chair. So we determined that it's dancey as hell, and uh, it's it's catchy. And the one thing, one thing I like about that kind of conflicts with, oh, this could have been a single and is dancey, is the what is, I guess, the chorus of the song, the someone keeps moving my chair line, it, like, the beat just breaks down and it goes to this, like, three against two rhythm that, to most people, probably sounded really bizarre. Yeah. Like people who like pop songs. That is not, like, the... Dun, 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 dun. Like, that snapping thing I just did is probably something that someone who is not a drummer would have a lot of trouble doing. <laughs> So you're keeping it's, the one. It's so weird. It's such a weird rhythm, tempo, yeah. And then, so they're both steady beats, but then you put them against each other. Is uh, awesome. Like I remember. Like I don't <laughs> think I recognize it as being. I don't think I recognize it as being three against two uh, when it first came out. But being a guy who's been in band, played classical music as well as rock, um, and being a drummer, having the independent limb thing, I'm like, whoa, that is so, so cool. Like, working that kind of thing into a rock song. You know, They Might Be Giants would never be considered a prog band, but that's like a prog move where you're like, you know, multimeter stuff or just crazy shredding or doing something like that, like polyrhythms, basically. Yeah, musically, the the song's just weird. I mean, it's, you know, it's all... And yet it's somehow, it just, like a lot of TMBG songs, it just works, you know? Um, yeah. And it's, and the it's weird. The chord weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Well, especially in that little breakdown bit that you mentioned there as well. It's because the kind of bass drops out. And like sometimes when there's no bass, it's hard to know what chord you're actually playing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I'm looking at the chord chart right now, and I've never played it on any instrument. I've never learned it, but you... We're going to play your cover later. Hey. And so the wiki says it's an F major, which looks like it makes sense. But then I don't think it really is because it prominently features E flat major. And if this were in F, you would play an E minor, not an E flat major. That is not in the key of F. You know, I don't want to go out on a limb here, but I, 
I th- I have a feeling that like there's a, f- a few songs on Flood where they the pitch might be turned down a little bit because I I know that in the early days I used to try and play along with the record and I always used to find that right. the couple of the, a couple of the songs were like between keys. Um, oh I I yeah, yeah. I think Birdhouse is. I think Birdhouse is. Yeah. It you know actually yeah I because I it is slightly detuned. Yes. Which could be some sort of that's the word I was looking for. Whether it's intentional or not, some sort of analog era, either analog era trick where they slowed down the tape or something got fucked up along the way in the mastering. I don't know. But I guess what I'm saying is even if even if it's not really an F, let's say they actually recorded it in, let's say they actually recorded it in like D and then sped it way up to be more dancey. You still, even if you said this is the key of D, you would not put a C major into it because D should have a C sharp minor as the seventh. And I mean, this is a kind of, like you're a great piano player. Have you ever studied music theory? I mean, do you know that that kind of like uh, you play your scales? Yeah, right? I got to <laughs> I got to like grade three or something like that. I think. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know I'm how to play self-taught. piano scales, yeah. and if this song's in the key of F. E flat would be maybe like the minor scale you'd play in E flat going up to the F, but if it's F major, you would E flat is not in the key, and you'd be like, oh, it's an accidental. But it's not an accidental if there if it's every other chord is an E flat. It's F E flat F E flat F E flat. This song is not in the key of F, is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what key it is. It's very ambiguous. So then we got shit. I don't know. Uh... Now, now I'm obsessed with this and need to figure it out. Let me. Uh... Okay. You, are you getting your? Is it instruments at dawn? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're dueling. Uh, so let's see. I have my accordion right okay, here so. behind me. Nice. So. Yeah. So you got. Okay, and then what comes up? A B flat. So we got F, E flat, B flat, G, and C. Or uh, sorry, C. So we got. Uh, this might be in C minor. Wait no, but we play C major. No, what I'm, the crap I'm, key is it's, this in? It's definitely an it's definitely an F because the, it uses F, it uses B flat, it uses D sharp, D minor. Hold on. But there's no. What I'm saying is there's no E flat. There's no E flat in the key of F. There's a B flat. Okay, you, you can s- say it's. You've started, okay, some, you've no, started something now, no, Greg. There's no E flat in the key of F. You could say it's in F major with a dropped seven. Uh, I guess not in the key, you know, but like if, uh, if if you take that out of the equation, you've got all the other kind of chords in there that you would have in the in the key of F, haven't you? Because you've got... Yes, everything except the E flat. The E flat is the one that... Yeah, I say, I say F. <laughs> but okay, okay but for I, e flat e flat is not in the key no and for it being such a prominent chord that's why i'm contesting it that yes every other so every other chord is in the key of f 
minor, uh, B flat major, C major, D minor, but then you got that E flat major. So that one, so you can say it's either in the key of F with the drop seven or that yeah. the E flat major chord is just an accidental. I think like, what you've successfully in, proved, Greg, is that I've been, I've been like listening to TMBG and copying them for so long, I, I just consider what they do normal. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's so weird. Like, um, I, am self, I am a self-taught musician and like, um, I, I uh, yeah, I, I'd never really thought that before. But yeah, it, it is a weird chord choice. You're right. I mean... It's okay, just, you know what? I'm gonna. I'm. I'm still. I'm still determined to figure this out. And whether Linnell knew it when he did it or not, I'm gonna figure this out. Because if, um, and I've actually gotten good response from fans about me breaking things down theoretically. So I, I'm gonna figure this out. I'm gonna crack the case now. Are you familiar with any of the other musical modes other than major and minor? Musical modes. Now you're making me. Yep. <laughs> now you're showing okay. me up now. Okay. Yeah, so, so honestly, I I don't know anything. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I'm I'm a music teacher, and I don't teach this stuff because I teach elementary school. But uh, I took years of theory in college, and so major. Um, so we're going back to modes that you, that people haven't really heard since like medieval music. Like if you've ever heard like medieval music like at a Renaissance fair or something, chances are those songs are not in major or minor. They're in a different mode. So um, basically, as you go up to the piano keyboard, um, as any beginning pianist knows, you start in the key of C. You start on C, you play all the white keys, there's the C scale. Now, if you move up to D, start on D and play all the white keys, it puts the half step into the where the half steps are determines the what it, the mode is. Uh if you start on D and play all the white keys, it's called Dorian mode, which puts the half steps between two and three, which is like a minor, and between um, six and seven. And then if you start on E and play all the white keys, it puts the half step right away, and that's called Phrygian. Um, if you start on F, it puts it in Lydian. If you start on G, it puts it in Mixolydian. If you start it on A, that's minor. So A is Aeolian, and that's another name for minor. So Ionian is major, Aeolian oh. is minor. And then you got Locrian if you start on B and play up. So that that also puts a half step right away. So the, those two are probably the weirdest, Locrian and Phrygian, because the half step comes immediately in the scale. Um, so I'm going to figure this out. Let me see. <laughs> Based on where the half steps are. Okay, so it starts out... Mi- it starts out major. It starts out major. We go whole step, whole step, half step, just like major. Whole step, whole step, half step. So the half step becomes between the six and the seven. This is an F Dorian. Right. The song is in the key of F Dorian, which if I ever got to talk to Linnell, I will ask him if he did that intentionally. But this this song... It's- I've I've cracked the case, so I'm going to get on the wiki and edit that because this song is not it's an F the, major. It's the F Dorian song that that could have been a hit. Yeah, <laughs> it's the danciest song ever written in F Dorian. <laughs> Dorian. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a friend who who did not know that he was writing in Dorian and 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 just like stumbled upon it as being like this is my favorite key. He would write all these songs in D Dorian. I think basically he just wanted to stick to the white keys because he wasn't that schooled in piano he's like i want to stick to the white keys but he kept landing on d as like the one so he was in he was inadvertently writing in d dorian so this song is an f dorian so you heard it here first folks (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, so that was Nerd Talk with uh, Greg Simpson. And let's get back to uh, pop rock talk here, what normal people would talk about. Uh, There's a lot of covers to this song, and we'll get to those in a minute. But I think, so a lot of people have learned the chord progression. And to me, it did always have a weird feel going from F major to E. E flat major, and I I never really understood why until just now when I figured out that it was not in major or minor. It's in Dorian, because uh, going from those major chords going back and forth, because even if you put it in the key of E flat, let's say it's an E flat, you go from E flat major up to the two of F, that would be F minor. But it goes from a major to a major to a major to a major, which just has a weird feel having two notes next to each other in a scale that yeah. they're both major because that shouldn't happen in this, a major or minor key <laughs> this, this might sound God, like a I'm really a stupid observation <laughs> this might sound like a really stupid observation coming from like uh you know a kind of a self-taught uh, musician to uh, a music teacher like yourself no, no, no. But, um but like you know i i've kind of a lot of people uh who who are really uh great uh, musicians have said to me that even though they're kind of like grade eight pianists or whatever, that they don't uh-huh. have the ability to play by ear. They can't kind of, you know, hear a song and just play it, which, yeah. you know, I, I usually can do. And um, I, a, few years, a few years ago, I, I met somebody who, who kind of plays the same way as I do. And I'd, I'd never, ever met anybody else who just played by ear and, you know, didn't really read music as such. And right. um, and we had to sort of we tried to sort of figure out if we sort of saw music the same way. And the best way I could describe the way the way it works with me is that I sort of hear the shapes of the chords. I kind of see uh-huh. shapes of of like how it works on the keyboard. Probably different for a guitar player. Um, that's but, a pianist's um, brain, yeah. Yeah, Definitely. yeah. But that's that's how that's that's how this other a person saw it as well. So like when we're talking about the, the way that that works with someone keeps moving my chair, to me, it seems really natural because I can kind of see that shape of like F just kind of going down naturally to that. Sure. You know, the, the E flat major chord because right. it's right. just like it's just neatly there on the piano right next well, to Well, to me, to me, as not as good of a pianist as you, uh, to me, oh, more naturally would be to keep it in a true F major to go from to E, not E flat, E flat, or E minor would be an easier change for me. But maybe that's because... Sometimes I think I'm too schooled, and actually when I when I got out of college, I had trouble writing rock songs because I was overthinking it in like, mm-hmm. I, I turned my brain into like a classical brain. And But the thing they say even with classical is you got to learn the rules and then you break them. Yeah. You know? Just like any good composer does, unless you're like Bach, who just strictly followed the rules for writing church music. <laughs> it's, it's probably <laughs> very that, well. It's probably that really unusual movement uh, of chords that makes it such a catchy song. I mean, it's certainly. Yeah. I think one of the things that makes Birdhouse such an amazingly catchy song, uh, what probably got it, got it so much radio play. I mean, uh, Birdhouse kind of changes key, doesn't it? A lot. And oh yeah, oh yeah, you know, and it kind of changes key like mid-chorus, which makes it really weird. But it's part of what <laughs> makes it catchy and hammers it into your brain. And I, I think this yeah. this song's the same. It works the same way. Um, and like I said, they'd never be, yeah, they'd never be called a prog band, like I said before. But the fact that they can pull off 
a pop song that has key changes and you don't notice them unless you learn the song. At least I mm. I never noticed it had key changes until I first tried to learn it to play it. Um, that takes a certain skill because a lot of prog bands and like metal bands, like you can tell they're working hard. Like that sounds really difficult. Oh, there's a key change or like, oh, this share song. Do you believe in life after love? It bumps up a step. There's a key change to bring it home. But in birdhouse, you can't tell it changes key unless you really got a good ear or you sit down and play it. Mm. Let's talk about the lyrics. What yeah. do you say? Switch gears. Let's uh, let's talk about Mr. Horrible, mm. not horrible, horrible, horrible in that horrible. Massachusetts accent, dude. There's a cover. I didn't I didn't put it. I mean, we could play it if we want. It's not on the, my list <laughs> since I had to narrow it down so much. But there's a guy who plays guitar and sings it, and he says, "Mr. Horrible, Mr. Horrible." I'm like, oh, like it like <laughs> makes me cringe, and he's pronouncing it. Th- he's pronouncing it, you know, correctly. While Linnell has that huge East Coast accent on it, north you know northeastern uh, Boston accent, on horrible, Mister Horrible. <laughs> I'm glad to know that I'm not the one getting criticised for my accent on this uh, on this podcast. Everyone else is. <laughs> so Mister Horrible is the main character here. Yeah, I don't know the the protagonist, I suppose, but he's getting picked on. By yeah. the ugliness men, which I always heard as singular. I always heard it as ugliness man for the longest time, but it's more than one man. It's the ugliness men. What do you make of this whole situation? I'll you take a crack at it first. What have you what have you thought of this song through the years? Um there's a quite there's so many things in it really. I I, I guess it's like um I've always taken it as being not really uh, about one thing. Um, I mean, Linnell described it as like a personal discomfort song, and when I look at it, look at it that right. way, he's kind of crammed in as many things that might annoy people as possible. I mean, but the, the thing that really yeah. stands out to me is like the, the precariously placed glass of milk. I mean, as a parent, <laughs> as a parent, right? <laughs> you understand that <laughs> most of our time is spent trying not to get milk on things you know so, my daughter yeah. spilled my coffee the other day oh man it's the worst on the on the on the carpet oh on the carpet. Yeah. so you know, she didn't she didn't re- get burned or anything so you know no. it could have been way worse so you can we, we can relate to this can't we you know that like he's he, he's kind of thought of all the things that might annoy people you know having to uh, change into pants in front of people, try them on, and uh, you know, and they're, and, and they're ugly, ugly pants. Exactly. And uh, what else is there in there? There's the glass of milk. Um, you Embarrassing know, pants. Yeah. yeah the, well, well, what about the following? What about the line that follows? Would you mind if we balance this glass of milk where your visiting friend accidentally was killed? That's kind of disrespectful. That seems a little intense. Well, yeah. I mean, it's 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 visual, isn't it? You know, you can imagine the chalk line, yeah. the chalk outline, can't you? And the glass. <laughs> And the glass of milk. Um, it just it just seems to me like it's like adding insult to injury. It's like, okay, so you're worried about spilling milk on the carpet. Let's also put it in the most disrespectful place possible, you know, where your friend was killed. <laughs> hey, uh, hey side, side note, do you think uh, Mammal, starting with the line, glass of milk, is Linnell doing that intentionally as uh, on the following album? Hey, I'm going to work the phrase glass of milk into the song. Too. It's <laughs> you know, it's... It's funny, you should, it's funny you should say that because um, in um, sometime like around 1993, 
uh, my friend Russ and I uh, had this idea of doing a, a fanzine. Remember those? And um, oh yeah, yeah. And, I grew up and, in punk rock, of course. Yeah. Zines are everywhere. Uh, Russ came up with this thing that you know, milk was. How often was milk mentioned in TMPG songs? Because obviously you've got kind of please pass the milk, please as well. Uh-huh. You know, it seemed to be like there was this recurring milk theme, but. Um, no, I, I, I think I think mammal. It's just like mi- giving milk is a mammalian characteristic. So I think literally, Lionel's well, yeah. just kind of looked at all lists of things. I think that's his thing, isn't it? He gets like lists of things and then just kind of right. works with them. And um, that's how so he I, says I, I just, he wrote the state songs. So oh right, well I, I imagine yeah. that um, with someone keeps moving my chair, he just thought up of all the most annoying things that he could think of and. You know, they're all in there. I need so, to steal that tactic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. But um, so lyrically, it's, it, I mean, it's so it's so much fun, isn't it? I mean, there's you, there's all these things going on. But then, yeah, who who is Mr. Horrible and who are the ugliness man? Yeah. I mean, uh, right. who is Mr. Horrible that he has to endure all this? Um, I mean, he, yeah, it, it makes it sound like they're grownups saying Mr. and the ugliness men. But it sounds like a kid getting picked on in middle school or whatever, you know. Well, I don't it know may if you be. call it middle school, but like yeah. grade <laughs> grade six, grade seven, right? Um, yeah, maybe. I mean, I he know. could also be alluding to maybe Linnell was picked on. I mean, they're they're artsy kids. They you know did were on the school newspaper in high school. Like I, you know, I'm fairly confident they weren't the most popular kids in school, and I say that lovingly because I was not either. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I. I I guess I'm not as much into the kind of, um, you know, high school debate uh, way of looking at their lyrics, um, trying to figure, you know, put meaning into them. Uh, Some things that, well, something that Linnell uh, once said is that their music is a bit like modern art in that, you know, if you like it, that gives it meaning, you know, so you can kind of project meaning onto, onto any song. Right. But if the band have sort of said something about the song, I kind of, a kind of a wall goes up for me then, and I think, well, if that's what the band have said the song's about, then what's the point in kind of adding interpretation to it? Um, and like, right. I, I'm thinking of one particular uh, interview. I think it's on the, um, I think it's on my channel actually. Linnell and Flans were interviewed for MTV Europe, and uh, they were asked about this song, oh. and it was put to them that was this a political statement, you know? Uh, these ca- right. these characters they have some kind of political representation and Linnell's kind of typically dismissive and just said no it's just a personal discomfort song and that was that right. so um, yeah I, I wonder if if they don't really or represent anybody but are just there as vehicles to kind of carry these all these upsetting ideas these things that irritate Linnell questions my God next question, question Marcel yes economics and politics. Uh, some, you bet. Some, yeah, yeah, I bet. Good. So, someone keeps moving my chair and, and minimal wage. Are these polit- politi- political or social songs? Well, yeah. Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Uh, minimum wage, yes. Someone keeps moving my chair, no. Uh huh. It's, it's quite a heavy social statement, though, with this businessman, Mr. Horrible, yeah. who has to do with all this ugliness all yeah. the time. Yeah, that's more of a, like a personal discomfort song. Uh-huh. Minimum wage is more like our job experience. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Cool. Thanks for uploading that. No, no problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love the VHS quality. I know. Uh, yeah, it was. It's pretty bad, but it's, it's warts and all. But uh, there's no, also I love some, it. <laughs> there's, some, there's some bad audio on that as well. Um, it's probably something that I might attempt to rip again with my, you know, with superior technology sometime. 
I like it though. I'll tell you, I actually got passed down these uh, tapes that um, I don't know if you heard the uh, "Lie Still, Little Bottle" episode, um, but my friend Jared, who well, he's a new friend because I've met him through the podcast, he actually lives in town here with me. One of the few episodes I've done with someone actually in the studio here in person, and um, he brought along with him a gift for me, which was three VHS tapes uh, that had been sent through fan communities like back when before the wiki like the previous fan site in the early aughts <clears throat> late 90s early aughts whatever it was tmbg.org or whatever it was um and there was a guy who had compiled all or most of their mtv appearances live videos and I think music videos too, onto three VHS tapes. And people would be like, hey, send me some. And he'd dub them copies and send them to him. So Jared was like, I've had these for like, you know, 15 years. I've watched them so many times. Do you want them? I'm like, hell yeah. So I got three VHS tapes that were secondhand and, and you know, dubbed by someone who ripped them off a of TV or whatever. And it's just like, there's something special about TMBG fans to, to do stuff like that. And like you uploading these videos. Um, so yeah, thanks. And I, I think that will, is a good segue into let's, let's finally play this 1990 video clip, uh, that you uploaded from a show. Were you at that show? You said you didn't vi- do the actual video. Uh, no, you at that show? Uh, no, I didn't. I wasn't at that show. Um, my first show was February 92. So this just came from, oh yeah, just, yeah. just some random guy that I found in the back of a magazine who was selling it. Again, they might be Giants fans. Yeah. We, we, we go all out to share things with fellow fans or, or win over new fans to the band. So let's uh, everybody listen to this blown out, distorted, awesome video of the Johns as a duo in 1990 doing Someone Keeps Moving My Chair. This song is called Someone Keeps Moving. Yeah! Once again, that's Someone Keeps Moving My Chair. video this set just because i mean flans is wearing a ramones shirt tucked in (laughs) (laughs) and that's just that just perfectly sums up the band because to me i will contest that they are punk in ways in aesthetics or at the very least a post-punk band because they especially flansburg seems to have grown up on a lot of that stuff the ramones you know they're another they were of that age that Ramones kind of blew their minds, just like so many other people that grew up in the in the late seventies, early eighties. And him wearing a punk rock band shirt, but tucked in, is just so perf so perfectly flans. Now, there's official live versions off of TMBG Unlimited, 
have you heard those? It sounds like you were you were yeah. you joined that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um I'm gonna just drop in some little clips of those here for people that haven't heard it. Blood Live in Australia from 2015 album. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a good show. Um, maybe not such a great recording. Um, you know. I, no? Uh, yeah. I, it sounds like it came straight off the desk and it kind of loses some of the, the, the sort of, yeah. Probably. Loses some of the excitement of being in the house with, with the live band. But the, the recordings that they put out from the last tour, they that was like the first recordings for me, which really captured the band and their their live sound that they have. You know, I went to some of these shows; they were absolutely yeah. mind blowing. And um, the live recordings sometimes just miss out on, you know, the feeling of being there. But um, so yeah, no, I, I really like that flood show. But it was straight off the desk, wasn't there? Some like sound issue on the first track when that was first put out you know it's been a while since i listened to this album in full but i think live recording and just recording technology in general has gotten so much uh better and easier yeah. to do so running straight off the board and it depends i mean i think they must travel with their own sound guy right they're not using the house sound guys i wouldn't think no. um I seem to remember that that they put that recording out first of all. It was part of that e-music. If they've put it out, out again since, they may have fixed the issues. But the the version that that we got, I'm sure that there was like some crackling and some like low volume on the first track, and then it kind of the volume raised halfway through Birdhouse, so it, it had some recording ah. issues, um, and it was straight off the desk. And of course, during the during the Spine tour, I think Dan Dan Miller was recording the shows on his laptop. So that oh, was really? I yeah. Think it, yeah yeah they 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 huh. had every show that uh, of the tour available for download on their website for a while I think it was a, a bit of an experiment but yeah, yeah. D- Dan had recorded yeah. them all it was sort of his thing um, yeah that's cool and I think I can forgive the sound of uh, live in Australia because I think it's good enough you know it's not like severe tire damage good but. Um, no. you know, the plan was never to release it on CD. You know, I think the plan yeah. was just like for super fans, free download off the website. You know, I mean, they gave it away for free. So, you know, what yeah. can we expect? You know, we can, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> no. It's good. It's good. Uh, I, it, it, 
some of those recordings on that uh, that live show, they, I don't know, they, it was a little bit disappointing to me. If I'm if I'm really honest, I I am super critical of <laughs> of like that live recordings. Um, yeah, so they just did. They just didn't seem to me either capture the the spirit of the the live show or the spirit of the record. Um, but the song keeps moving my chair. Was was yeah, it was okay. Um, just missing some of the elements that I really like about the record. You know, like with the the synths. Um, I guess because they're just the limitations that like you can't take every every synth that you use on tour, can you? Right. Right. You know what? Let's segue into the fan videos. Now, I don't need to drop in any audio clips here, but I want you to watch these. Uh, and you've got your computer there. Yeah. I'm I'm going to send you a link. All right? This is uh, the first one. I'm going to send you a cute kids video that he did. I can't remember if they said it was for school or what. But he made a claymation video. An 11-year-old made a claymation video for this. And I think everyone... Should go watch it. I'm sending it to you right now on the Facebook Messenger. You should be able to pop that open there. Okay. Someone keeps moving my chair, and it says, uh, let me read, because the mom uploaded it and said, let me see. So people can find it. It's, uh, oh, boy, I better just spell this out. A-J-A-H-N Dallas. A-J-A-H-N-D-A-L-L-A-S. And this has over 10,000 views now. Uh, This claymation Play-Doh stop-motion movie was created by my son Alfredo when he was 11 years old. The movie was inspired by the song Someone Keeps Moving My Chair by the band They Might Be Giants. The song appears on their album Flood. It was created using the application iStopMotion on the kid's iMac. (laughs) Check that out, man. It's pretty awesome. I'm looking at it right now. It's so good. As an 11-year-old, that's, it, I mean, is this is. kid an artist now? I've I figured out this kid is 20 now based on this being uh, uploaded a decade ago. He's 21 now. And I wonder it, if he is an artist because look at this, man. It's great. It's really good. I mean, it reminds me of the sort of some of the videos that TMBG have, have uploaded recently, you know, how... Um, there's kind of elements from the song in there, but at the same time, it isn't a storyboard video. Like you've obviously got one character who's the Mister Horrible. You've got the three ugliness men. Yeah, like the Cyclops guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess they. I guess they're all Cyclopses. They all have one eye, but this guy's like green, and he's got like a long neck. I guess you'd call it, and the one eyeball. And then these, the 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 ugliness men are orange, circular kind of things with one eye. And you've got like. The, the chair's in there, but there's nothing else that's storyboard about it. Like, the, he hasn't kind of acted out everything. Uh, oh, I of... just saw... Actually, actually, I just saw the glass of milk where you're visiting from is often killed. It's actually... It looks like more like a chalice than a oh, glass yeah. of milk. And it's balanced on another green guy who has a sword in him and the blood comes out. <laughs> so he's not, he's not just balancing it where his friend was killed. He's actually balancing it on his recently murdered dead friend. Which is very good, but on the corpse. What I really, <laughs> what I, I really like about this is like, um, he's got like this um, kind of whiteboard of some more irritating things, which says to uh, me that yeah. you know the kids kind of which aren't in the song, stub toe, burn down house, blow up, crash car. So it's kind of like yeah. you know the kids obviously got 
Can we call him a kid? He's 21. Uh, the, anyway, yeah. he's, he's kind of got the, this. this yeah, that yeah, this song is about, um, you know, annoying things. This is it's really good. Yeah, he, he really gets the idea of the song, the fact that he's adding in extra elements. I have to say, actually, some of the videos that TMBG have put out, um, you know, in, on their uh, Dial a Song projects over the last few years, you know, which are obviously farmed out. I mean, some are better than others. Some are, are really great. Um, some yeah. are kind of, they, well, they don't really contain any elements from the song, but uh, makes you wonder if they've even listened to the song. <laughs> but um, I, I, I really like it when it's not so so storyboard that it's obvious it's acted out, but they've kind of got elements from the song in right. there and it's kind of got the vibe of it. So I just sent you another fan video, and this one, so like I told you before we started actually recording, was that I found like six or seven fan videos, which I was not expecting. And so I narrowed it down to these two, the claymation. I was like, I have to play this one. Then there were some that were a little weirder, and this one I just noted it to myself as disturbing fan video, and I just sent it to you. <laughs> and if, if you check it out, it's from 2006, but it, they made it look like it's from the mid-'90s, early internet early Microsoft Paint or whatever, uh, fonts. And it's it's got stick figures and just real 90s vibe to it. And I like it, and I'm like grooving on it. And then they show the ugliness, man. Let me know when you get to that part. <laughs> 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 and oh. so this, the you if you want to find it, everybody, it's Deep Strike 1, 2, 3. Someone keeps moving my chair. Deep Strike 1, 2, 3. My second movie today might be Giants. Someone keeps moving my chair is what he says. Or she yeah, says. Well, like you say, it's disturbing. It's got that kind of that, that sort of early meme face thing. I don't even know what it's from. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In the, yeah. This is, I mean, it was made in 2006 and that's kind of pre troll face illustration kind of thing. Yeah. I think. Uh, the glass of milk, there's a glass with a cow in it. <laughs> and then it hits it hits a guy on the head who then has X eyes and dies. So the glass of milk is what kills him in this video. I, th- I think what's the what's really great about this video is that the person who's made it has obviously Googled each object he wanted in it, and it's like he's gone with the first choice every time, like the first <laughs> result. Yeah, the, you know, like yeah. chair. Uh, that's the chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a desk chair. <laughs> glass of milk cow that'll do <laughs> yeah there's a cow yeah <laughs> oh man so good yeah it's funny watching these i mean these are basically interpretations of the lyrics through through homemade videos yeah and it, it is a storytelling song isn't it i mean i know i was i said earlier on that i kind of just see it as just like a, a list but it isn't i mean it, it's kind of the song is a vehicle, isn't it, for delivering all this information, like so many uh, of uh, TMPG's songs. And uh, and yep. the story is is a weird one, isn't it? Um, it yeah, it's yeah. very it's a very visual visual song, and it, it kind of is open to all these kind of interpretations and visual representations. Oh, the one thing I wanted to ask you is so 
on the interpretations tab on the wiki, I sometimes look at those, sometimes don't. Um, I, I try not to, at least until I've made up my own mind about what I think it is about. But yeah. it's pretty much, you know, in consensus, you know, with what we've said. There's nothing really mind-blowing here. But it did bring up one thing that I didn't think of. Uh, so the way I always interpreted it, the 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 titular line, someone keeps moving my chair, the way I always thought of it in my head was that, you know, he's got this favorite chair and someone keeps, like, moving it around the room or something. But someone else said the they thought the person was moving their chair as in Mr. Horrible is going to sit down, and as he goes to sit down, someone yanks the chair out and he falls. Right. I was... So because it's kind of it seems to me to be like an office environment, uh, you know, Mister Horrible because right. he gets like a call, doesn't he? Uh, they're on the other line, right. so it kind of makes me think about a workplace. And um, you know, sure. I, I mean, I, I I work in offices, and uh, yeah, I'm very possessive about my chair. Um, I would not want someone to move my chair. Um, but then there's, you've also kind of thinking about office chairs as well. <laughs> office chairs kind of move up and down. As well as like yeah. from side to side, you've got the height uh, adjustment, and I, I wonder if if he means like someone's been adju- <laughs> someone keeps adjusting my chair. <laughs> I wonder if that's yeah, you know, because if you go and thing. sit down in your office chair and it's higher or lower than you yeah. usually keep it, you're like someone's been at my desk. I feel violated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. So I don't know. Man. Maybe, and that's an interpretation <laughs> on the spot. <laughs> Oh, wow. Uh, I think we've analyzed the lyrics pretty well, and we've definitely talked about the musical arrangement a lot, uh, especially me going off on music theory nerd uh, tangent. Songs in F. Dorian. Uh, Should we move to the cover (laughs) section? Okay. Yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, So there's this guy called Astral B. Now, let's play your cover. (laughs) Let's play (laughs) that guy again. Not that guy. who plays the song we've already been able to use that as a vehicle to figuring out what makes this song so great uh it's the chord progression uh what what are your other thoughts on uh or, or what was it like covering the song or learning it for the first time if you recall i do not recall when i learned it for the first time um I, I, it's, i've been playing it since you know since it came out um so i don't remember a time when i actually yeah. learned it i i think like um, like a lot of people who play by ear, some bits are, are easier than others, and um, yeah. I I think there was a time when I probably played the verses um pretty accurately, uh, and then when I kind of got to that weird chorus bit, which we discussed, and how the bass drops out, and it's like what chords are actually here. I think I probably just played something and thought that'll do. <laughs> probably didn't get yeah, get that yeah. bit quite right, and over over the years I've forced myself to learn it properly. So um, yeah. 
Um, yeah. it, it's well, it's a weird know, song. I feel like the best covers are ones that the person puts their own twist on it because. Yeah, I mean, you're just playing stuff on piano. I, I, I try to stay. I try to stay quite faithful musically to them. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, for a song like "Dead," I think we played you twice on the "Dead" episode because I think you have the accordion live one with your friend, and then one of you just playing piano. I'm fairly certain. Yeah, um, but a song like that, like the album version, is just piano and vocals. So, like, yeah, you just knocked it out of the park doing it straight up on piano, but just just by necessity doing a a song that's by a band on just a solo instrument and solo voice you have to kind of twist it to your own you know the the needs to fill that out so like you're covering the bass pretty well which i think is you know like a synth bass on the original right um you you i mean you cover it really well um and i think doing that that chorus you said like you at the when you first learned it you weren't doing it quite right but i think even just doing it in your own way or to your own abilities i think is interesting like i like a cover that's not 100 percent faithful to the original <laughs> really right. that's my preference okay as far as covers in general go of they might be giants or otherwise yeah there's a few songs that i did on piano for youtube which i, I did deliberately do them very very differently uh, because they just did right. did not lend themselves to to being played on a piano at all. But for the most part, I also filmed my hands playing them in the hope that maybe other people who yeah. played like me, sort of by ear, would be able to visually see how they were being played. So for that for that reason, yeah. I did stick quite faithfully to the original kind of uh, arrangement and kind of feel of the song. Um, not usually the same tempo though, because I. I <laughs> I'm famously bad at, at keeping tempo. Um, quite a lot of those videos, I speed up. <laughs> I love to slow it though, down a bit. But as I said, <laughs> as I said, I'm a punk rocker. I like the speedy ones, um, and just like piano bashing, just like I'm a big I'm a big Ben Folds fan as well, and just yeah. like rock piano, rock exactly piano, bashing it out. I probably like should have guitar, been a guitarist. Maybe. Exactly, yeah. yeah, I probably should have been a guitarist, <laughs> just because I just bash chords on a piano, but. Um, no, I th- I think e- even now at this point in your life, if your if your wife's okay with it, you should start a Ben Fold style band with a bassist and drummer, <laughs> and you on piano. <laughs> so let's move on to the next one. I'm gonna send you a link now. This one is a double whammy in that it's a cover and has a really funny video to it uh, that the guy made. This is like a full band arrangement. I think it's just one guy, but he, uh, you know, tracked himself doing a bunch of different stuff. So why don't you check that out? This is Thinking Aloud is the YouTube channel, Thinking Aloud. And this is put up just a few years ago. He says, this video was made for the, quote, theme music group. I don't know, Facebook group? I don't know. Wherein members have to cover or write a song that matches a theme set weekly fortnightly (laughs) consequently the video was originally made with that limited audience of people who know me uh personally in mind rather than for general public consumption silliness embarrassing dress sense ridiculous acting or facial expressions and general over-the-topness should be viewed within that context so he's saying like he feels like this is a little embarrassing now but i think the song especially the audio is great but the video is him going around town playing and lip-syncing to his cover. Mr. Horrible, Mr. Horrible. 
especially like the part of the video that someone keeps moving my chair part because he in the video is sitting in a chair in like a park this definitely looks european this town that he's in um the chair keeps moving around <laughs> what do you think of the uh i mean audio wise the cover what do you think audio wise it's really quite sort of faithful to the original but it's obviously you know got much uh heavier guitars in it more guitar driven it's really well recorded um yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. is Owen Owen Hodgson? Is he uh, is he not on the group? He seems like a, a super fan. Wait, what's? Wait, where did you find his real name? It's uh, at the e- it's right at the end of the video. Oh, he's, he's got the little credits. Yeah. Okay. So Owen, what? Owen Hodgson. Let's find out. Uh, Owen, guess you're gonna love this. What's that? I I think he's Scottish. Because <laughs> if, nice. if you have a look in uh, at <laughs> if you look at um Wait, at thirty four seconds in <laughs> at thirty four seconds in he's standing uh-huh. in front of um like a car a car park sign and it, it says Aberdeenshire uh, on the uh, on the car park sign oh so he's all right I love yeah. all the sh- the shires the shires all you do shires like the shires. And you like the hams as well, you don't do, you? You live in Lord of the You live in Lord of the Rings. Uh, yeah. I was thinking. <laughs> so yeah, nice job, Owen Hutchinson. Yeah. Very nice. You're listening to the yeah, Stalking Hutchinson, Podcast. Hutchinson is the last name of the Scottish guy in Frightened Rabbit that uh, killed himself. Actually, I wonder oh, if there's wow. any relation. Chances chances are it's a common name, but Scotland is small. It, yeah, it's, it's it's a pretty common name here. Um, yeah, so there you go. No, I'm really blown away by that cover. That is that is really good. Um, well, let's move on to the next one. I think you're going to like this one too. Uh, I won't give you any heads up into what the style is because I feel like this one's really inventive. Um, okay. And here you go. This is by an artist. Um, let's see. Charles Butler did a whole um, They Might Be Giants cover album called Letterbox, and I hadn't found it until till last night. Letterbox, They Might Be Giants Reimagined.
What do you think of that? This is great. And this is really good. I, I was not I was not yeah. expecting an instrumental version. Are, is, are right. all the songs I, on this uh, record that he's done instrumental? I skipped through it a little bit, and I'll tell you, the I think my favorite, I didn't listen to it in full, but I think I'm going to, uh, Bee of the Bird of the Moth is excellent. The banjo picking in that one is just incredible. And so I'd call this like a folky kind of bluegrass uh, style. Yeah. And it's all instrumental, from what, from what I can tell. But this makes me, what I want to do is listen to, and he's got it on Bandcamp. I think it's on Spotify. There's a playlist here on YouTube of the whole thing. I think next time I need some background music, because the problem is when I put on They Might Be Giants, I always want to sing along. But let's say I got something I need to do, and I just want background music, instrumental versions, bluegrass style, perfect. (laughs) They're really good. Yeah. It is really good. It makes me want to open a restaurant and just have this as the background music all the time. Dude, there's this sushi restaurant in town that plays like string quartet versions of pop songs and trying to identify them like over the din of like all the people eating is like my favorite game when we go there because I'll I'll be like, I'll be like, well, that one was Eleanor Rigby. That's easy because it's strings already. But then like it'll be like, I'll be like. Was that just Soundgarden and it's a string quartet? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Very nice job, Charles Butler. Uh, check out the rest of his stuff. He does Letterbox, of course. He does Hey, Mr. DJ, Hovering Sombrero, Older, Particle Man, Anna Ng. Uh, very nice job. Uh, let's move on to the next one. In the interest of this being an incredibly long episode already, here is... Um, yeah, I'm not going to give you any heads up into the styles because it would just ruin the surprise. Here is one on okay. SoundCloud. But <laughs> the SoundCloud artist is Max Dems- Max Demsky on SoundCloud. <laughs> okay, I think I already know Check what style this is going to be. Yeah. <laughs> From the logo, the art. It's really good. All right, so I love. I've tunes. definitely played this guy's stuff before on at least the "We Want to Rock" episode because he did the entire album. Wow! Like this, all of Flood. So it's another instrumental version that could be background music, but it's so fun. So he did. He says, "Well, he calls it eight bit, um, and you know, chip tune is is a way you might re- refer to this genre." And he says that. Some may argue that these are not true 8-bit tunes. He doesn't conform to the constraints of the original NES hardware, um, but it's like an 8-bit through whatever means of its MIDI or whatever, emulators, emulators, 8-bit emulators. But it sounds so cool. I love this stuff. I'm a sucker for it. I absolutely love it. I think there was a very different kind of um, 8-bit micro-revolution in the UK 
because uh, like in the states yeah. you'd have had what the Commodore 64 was that like kind of Commodore the, the 64 was point? the first that's I that's the one I had yeah I mean there was Atari first that was you know whatever bit that was then NES then um yeah I'm, I'm trying to think I think we got our Commodore before our NES but I could be misremembering I didn't have a Commodore. I mean, they I got, were popular. Yeah. They were popular here, but they. Um, I mean, they had an exceptionally good sound chip, which like a custom sound chip, didn't they? Um, but yeah. quite a lot of the eight, other eight-bit micros that came out in the UK had a Yamaha chip called the AY something something chip. I can't remember the number. It was it was really limited. It had like three audio channels. So you know stuff about this. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, it, like I said, the UK eight-bit explosion was really different to anywhere else um i don't know if you've heard of sinclair um it was like a cambridge no. uh cambridge business that made a really cheap affordable computer called the spectrum um and uh, almost everybody had had one but off the back of that there were so many other like homegrown micros that uh, came out in the uk most of them you know, the companies folded you know because they couldn't right. sustain that many different, different incompatible micros on the market. And there were, in the end, there was basically three that won out. There was the Sinclair Spectrum, there was the C64, which had you know good user base here, um, and there was, um, or maybe a couple of others, Amstrad and MSX as well. But the, the, apart from the, the, the Commodore, they all had this, the same sound chip, really, this AY chip, which is like three channels. And if you had white noise on one of the channels, uh-huh. then that kind of, like for drums... That kind of left you with yeah. two. <laughs> so it was, but there was right, there were some right. guys. There were some guys that actually squeezed so much out of those. And for for what really kills me with chip tunes is where uh, they drive the hardware to the absolute limit of of what you can yeah. do. Um, and I don't I don't know. Like he, this guy says, he, he's not really sticking to uh, those limitations. But it does sound good. It does sound good. It kind of takes me back to yeah to that era of computing. Great. Oh yeah, so good. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, it reminds me of uh, so. There's yeah. This is another tangent I may or may not cut out. But there's a band called Pup from Toronto, who's a punk band. I'm not sure if you follow punk at all or modern punk. But have you ever heard Pup? Pup. P U P. Yep. I I have not. No. There's a video that I just discovered the other day where it's a lyric video, and lyric videos can tend to be very boring uh, unless they're done very creatively. But this lyric video, um, I mean, it's a full-on official music video, but it shows, it it cuts very rapidly between all these old NES, Genesis, SNES um, games, and wherever there's text in a video game, like let's say um, Street Fighter Two at the end of a match it might say like someone the one person uh, character is taunting the other character or whatever but re- they replace that with the lyrics so they use the text elements of all these video games and all these sc- screens from the video games to show the lyrics through the whole song and it's just like it just makes me want to bust out my NES which I still have and still works <laughs> <laughs> you're making me want to get into this chiptune stuff for real and I want to pick your brain more after the podcast about uh, <laughs> these actual chips and uh, and how do I do this uh, have you ever actually made chiptune music uh not for a long time i mean i was into kind of programming 
when the eight bit computers were you know were in everyone's home and everybody wanted to be a programmer. Um, yeah, I yeah. used I used and my thing was music then. So yeah, I used I did write a few tunes that were limited to ch- nice. you know just like the three channels. Um, on you the still AY have them? Chip. No, because they they died with the computer. I mean, I <laughs> I, I just don't have any of the stuff that i created yeah. on those computers you know sure so they were done was... on the computer and you never oh, yeah, ripped yeah. them to some other audio yeah no 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 um there yeah. was a actually i used to go to school um with uh, a guy called steve who went on to uh, write a few playstation games uh before he kind of got some respectable job in computing um and uh <laughs> <laughs> and we sort of used to work together on, on stuff um and uh he was was writing a game and I did music for it and I don't know what ever happened to that. I know he went on to have a proper career in in games, but, uh, but I I've no idea what happened to that music that I wrote for him. Hmm. It's probably it may be out there somewhere, I don't That's know. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh <laughs> that that's so <laughs> cool. I, you know, before we bef- that's so cool you wrote music for a video game. Before <laughs> before we move on to the next cover, I must say that you know, they always say don't read the comments when it comes to the internet. But on SoundCloud, the the comments, the way you can comment like throughout a song is one of my favorite things about SoundCloud. And at one point, at 30 seconds in, some guy named Logan Felber says, adorable, but he spells it adorbebble. <laughs> <laughs> There's a typo. Adorbebble. And, it's, oh, and that typo stuff. is there preserved forever. Yeah, it, it, it is great. Yeah. It's got a really nice feel to it. Some chip tunes, I, I, I think there may be some kind of chip tune generator, like on a Nintendo yeah. device, that you can just make your own chip tunes, like some kind of music creator that does it. Um, but th- this, that's that's what I've heard. Yeah. But I want to do it for real. I still have a Game Boy too. I want to actually take the use the guts. Well, if if you know, what, I would recommend you you check out, um, if especially because it might not have reached the states um a musician a chip musician called tim follin um okay he was amazing uh he wrote music for the c64 and for the sinclair spectrum and his brother was the was the game creator and he did all the music and he absolutely uh-huh. knew how to push chips to their limit some of his compositions are unbelievable but it, it, they become more unbelievable when you know the limitation of the chip like if you were used to kind of yeah. hearing you know, computer games that didn't really try too hard. They just had like three channels going. And then this guy would do something that sounded like it was way, way bigger. You know, half of the um, half of the joy of it was like thinking, well, how did he do it? <laughs> right. Yeah, the constraints. Okay, let's move on to the next cover. Uh, I just sent you a link for it. This is on SoundCloud as well. Douglas Laustsen, I think is how you'd pronounce it. Doug, yeah, Douglas... L-A-U-S-T-S-E-N on SoundCloud.com slash Douglas Lauston. Check this out. Uh, there's a picture of a lovely chair like uh, on the curb for someone to, for the garbage pickup. Uh, so go ahead and listen to that. <laughs> Thank you. 
So what do you think of that one? Another instrumental. That was, that's yeah. amazing. Um, I mean, th- this guy isn't in danger of speeding up, is he? <laughs> this, he doesn't, he doesn't have like, my problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? This is like, yeah, I mean, whether drugs were involved or not, it, it's very slow and stonery. Uh, and actually, yeah. Logan have you seen Felber, the, comment on that? the same, four years ago, Logan Felber, the same guy who commented on the other one, I just noticed, commented on this. He must have been doing the same thing, searching SoundCloud for someone keeps moving my chair covers. He says, sounds like you turned it into a neat stoner jam. And I say that's accurate. <laughs> I would also I, I probably this. say this is like uh, Revolver era Beatles covering someone keeps moving my chair. Yeah, yeah there's um the kind of the uh, the effect on the guitar, the the reverb on it, you know, yeah. is uh, really overdone. I don't know if there's a name for that, um, but it's it's a great. Well, it's style. almost like shoegazy or dream pop in a way, and it almost makes it sound like a sitar. Yeah, it, it's it's an amazing cover. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like I, mean, I said, there were a lot. At so four I minutes and nine seconds. I think. Whew. I think this is twice the length of the original. How long? How long is the original? Oh, yeah. uh, the original is two minutes un- and twenty-three seconds. I was going to say it's under three minutes. So um, yeah, four minutes and nine seconds. This is almost half the speed. Yeah, and twice that's the why music. It was interesting enough that I had to play it. It's great. Good choice. And we just we just played four covers and three of them were instrumental. What's the deal with this song? Uh, so here's here's the next one. Let's keep moving along. I was, we're at like I was just gonna, almost two hours. I was just I was just gonna say about the the last one the the image of the chair that he's used to illustrate the uh, on SoundCloud. Um, this is the yeah. complete reverse of of what uh, we had before, where you know just Google's chair and use the first chair that's come up. You know he's he's hunted this picture down. Or maybe even taking it himself. I mean, it's just so beautiful. Uh, I really yeah, like that. Yeah. I, it, it, there's actually a photo credit in the comments. Oh, so is I there? think he, he knows the person that took that photo. It's great. <laughs> it's absolutely great. I've, I've got one more cover for you. I just sent you a okay. link. And this one, in my notes, I just labeled it as, oh, my God, why? <laughs> okay. So... Just it, it might be a little crazy to you at first, but ma- try to make it at least a minute in because it gets <laughs> wacky. Okay, here we go.
Okay, I think you get the idea. <laughs> I get no idea. So I'm skipping through covers. Well, first of all, let me credit this person, and there's very little information, and which makes it even more mysterious. The YouTube, so or sorry, not YouTube, SoundCloud.com slash R underscore edits. So R edits. I don't know what that means, and the art is just an capital R with an underscore next to it. They might be giant. Someone keeps moving my chair. R edit. Is that something that I don't know what that is? An R edit. What is that? I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. He's done. He, I see he's done. He's done end of the tour as well. I'm gonna have to check those out later. I, I, mean, I mean, oh boy, it sounded to me at the beginning like it was gonna be. Like a dance song. I, I, again, I don't really claim to understand the appeal of like you know dance music, just pure dance yeah. music. But friends that Same. friends that are into that kind of thing say, oh, it's it's all about the build. It's all about the build. You know, it just starts yeah. off with just like you know just just the beat, and then and then the drop, yeah, and then the drop. Yeah. Yeah. And I was waiting for the drop, and it never came. <laughs> it was like yeah. it was building up to something, and it was just all build. There was no drop. Yeah, when I was first flipping through, like when I discovered how many covers there were, I was like, oh my God, I just got to dig through these. Which ones are, or do I want to play? And so I would just give each one like, you know, I was just going like 20 seconds in to see what the vibe was. And when I first, luckily I gave it more than that because when I first hit play, I'm like, oh great, it's going to be just nine minutes going someone keeps someone keeps i'm like this is probably just someone trolling everyone and it's just going to be that for nine minutes and i'm like oh my god i'm not going to play this but then i let it keep going a little bit and like 20 seconds in like a bass line comes in and a little later like a little drum comes in and then you start getting a underneath the repetition you start getting a little bit of a harmonic movement with the bass and then when you get the the chat like it's just like underneath this so there's stacks of like these weird yeah. edits and it's just fascinating to me as a music maker and a guy who can manipulate stuff digitally and knows recording software i don't even know i i wouldn't even know where to start to come up with something like that no, it's, it's it would be beyond my patience. But it sounds like he's because of the song, because yeah. <laughs> the song does break down. He's managed to take the vocal bit of the chorus and then mix that yeah. with other elements of the song, which is kind of cool. So he's obviously had that, yeah. You know, the vision to do that is it's a cool idea. I don't know if I could stand it for nine minutes, but. Um, no, but, no, I made it about three minutes in. And I was like, well, this is good. Uh, it's good enough to play. Uh, yeah, it's just I like to find the weirdest ones, you know, because they're like popular. They might be giant songs like Birdhouse or Particle Man. Like, oh, my God, I haven't done the Particle Man episode yet, but I can imagine I'm going to find a 100 acoustic guitar covers. Yeah. And, you know, I'll try to find like a really good one, but I'm not going to play 10 acoustic guitar covers. Like I like to find like you're my go to for like, oh, here's a piano cover. Oh, here's a guitar cover. Here's like, and if possible, I'd like to find full band arrangement covers where people really put in hours and hours and hours of work and, you know, like, yeah, like multi-track stuff is harder to find. And stuff like this, it's like someone must have really loved this song to the point where they wanted to deconstruct it to that degree. Well, you know, you probably know yourself. Yeah, when you're recording, you know, it's... You have to listen to the same bit over and over again, you know, when you're kind of stacking up, you know, and redoing your vocals yep. and things. I just, 
I, I'm just trying to think of how many hours worth of someone keeps moving my chair he must have listened to to make that nine minute recording. <laughs> it's like ever a since he made love. this, he vowed to never listen to the song again because he had been so sick of it. <laughs> it. Well, yeah, it's probably like you know, maybe someone told him you listen to that song too much, so he like you know he chain smoked it and like <laughs> that's it. It's it's out of his system. <laughs> Yeah, that's like my wife with the band Pup I was talking about. She's like, God, you've listened to the song like three times today. I'm like, yep. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so just for the listeners at home, just so they know, we uh, are now doing round two, recording session two, Daryl and I, because when the flood, TMBS, they might be song posting or whatever we're calling it, Tribute came out, uh, put together by Ekalemchi uh, Okembo. We decided, well, we probably should talk about these three. You know, a couple of them are friends of ours. Uh, one of them is a former guest of the pod two times over. Uh, the covers of Someone Keeps Moving My Chair on this massive Flood tribute album, 76 tracks long. Both of us are on this. Uh, I just did Birdhouse, and you did Hot Cha, and what else? Istanbul. Istanbul. And both are great. So let's listen to Daryl's Istanbul right now. Istanbul was Constantinople, now it's Istanbul, now Constantinople, been a long time gone. Constantinople, now it's Turkish delight, on a moonlit night. Every girl in Constantinople lives in Istanbul, now Constantinople, so you've got a date in Constantinople, she'll be waiting in Istanbul. Even old New York was once New Amsterdam, why they changed it I can't say. Liked it better that way So take me back to Constantinople No, you can't go back to Constantinople Been a long time gone Constantinople Why did Constantinople got the works? That's nobody's business but the Turks <laughs> I played your hot shot on the, uh, the other one So now we're, uh, oh, right. okay. we're, we're promoting your Istanbul now Because why not? You're here you know, you get you get preferential treatment. So now let's talk about someone keeps moving my chair. The first one comes in at track ten by an artist. Or it should be, yeah, by an artist going by TV's Kyle. And if you click on it, and I haven't gone through and looked at all the credits because some of these I'm like, who are these people? He says, hi, my name is Kyle, and I make cartoons and also songs sometimes. I wanted to choose a song to cover that's lively and rocking, but not quite a single, so I'd feel freer to cut loose. I used a lot of old video game sounds. There's an SNES Super Nintendo bass tracked far to the right and Genesis bass far to the left. Lindzilla, I don't know, was kind enough to slap this tune around with her berry sax. Linnell didn't see fit to put in places to breathe when you sing this, did he? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is a fast one. So let's listen to TV's Kyle. Yes. 
spilled on his brain as he sponges it off. They say, is this horrible? Is this horrible? It's the ugliness men, Mr. Horrible. We're just trying to bug you. We thought that our dread for this might be a thing to annoy you with. But Mr. Horrible says I don't mind the thing that bothers me. I am digging the combination of what's essentially MIDI synths, you know, using the kind of chiptune emulator stuff. Yeah. So, like, digital with um, analog, meaning uh, an actual baritone sax. I thought that was a really high point, the fact that there was some, uh, you know, for a homegrown album to hear some, you know, real horns in there was really good. Yeah, the sax was great. And um, yeah, and I thought that I didn't notice the the bass, the chip tune bass when I, I, I first listened to it. Now it's been pointed out, I can hear a bit more. But yeah, just the the, um, the chip style synths in the second verse really sort of made that. Yeah, you know, made the sort of moved moved the song along, you know, rather than just like you know more of the same verse two kind of thing. Um, right. Yeah. And I like the. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on with the drums because he doesn't explain anything about the drums. And they're mixed a little low, but I'm having trouble telling if they are real drums or like a sample of real drums or because, uh, I mean, there are samples even on like GarageBand that are, sound pretty realistic. And I, I can usually tell, but on this one, like when it gets to the, I like the the like <laughs> wipeout style floor tom on the <laughs> someone keeps moving my chair part, the... Dun, 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 yeah, dun, dun, dun. That, that sounds like... Keeps, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, like with the floor tom, it's it's really hard. Like you were saying, you can't tell whether these are samples or not. It's really hard to make that kind of rhythm yeah. on a drum machine. So um, it's definitely I, not I, a drum machine. No, no, no. I don't think in so. Like that sense, it sounds. It doesn't. It sounds too good to be a drum machine. Um, it's hard to tell what it was going for. But the whole thing's really slick, and you know. Yeah, um, but it could be I a like, sample, is what I'm saying. I don't know if you ever work with that kind of stuff where. What, oh, what yeah, program the, do you use to record? What software? Yeah, I remember you told me once. Uh, the software that I use for recording is is N Track Studio, and it it does have some built in drums, but I know ne- I never use them. Yeah, um, I I prefer to either track my own drums if it's something like sort of complex, you know, right. as TMBG rhythms often are. But um, otherwise, if I'm looking for something that just sort of loops around, that I just want like a solid loop. Um, then I'll I'll usually find some royalty free loop or something. Right. Um, yeah. When I do demos, lots of times I'll throw in uh, just a simple drum loop, just because as a drummer, oftentimes I start writing a song, an original song, with the drums first, because just my brain is still a drummer brain, and I'll have like the vibe as far as you know the rough like BPM range. You know, is it a shuffle? Is it like a punk rock driving beat is it like a 60s go-go beat you know and that's where i start so uh like i've used a lot of samples um most of which haven't made it to the final version but if like if you listen to like my cover of answer which is kind of like that dancey cover those are all uh-huh. like samples that they have on ableton like and then like those are all i mean i didn't it's obviously not real drums, and I did not program them myself. I just dug through these hundreds of things, and I was like, oh, that's cool. 
<laughs> it, what I thought was interesting about this actually was that in the and this is something I, I really was kicking myself that I didn't mention when we we, we did the last recording session um, is that in the uh, original recording of someone keeps moving my chair there's some sort of guitar rhythm guitar in there that's really low in the mix uh-huh. but it, it's kind of really important to the mix because it kind of adds I, I can't explain. Uh, which part it comes in now? It's during the verses. There's sort of like a, 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 a like a rhythm guitar. The sort of dang, dang, yeah. dang, 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 dang. it's really low in the mix, um, uh, but it, it matters because it, it, the song needs that to kind of like you know move it along. And then right. I guess that's what the the SNES stuff's doing in this cover. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I really like it. Yeah, me too. So good job to Kyle. Uh, let's move on to track twenty eight guest host or guest slash host someone keeps moving my chair let's see i haven't looked at the credits on this one let's see if there's anything there is nothing um but is apparently guest host is joel yellowitz yellowitz yellow yellowitz i don't know joel joel yellowitz and if you don't know how to pronounce it i certainly don't there's so many um, american surnames to me never seem to be pronounced the way that uh, right right they're supposed to be think of uh the guest host cover <laughs> well again it's uh it, it's a good effort i yeah. like the fact that it uses um it, i think that's a piano isn't it that's sort of keeping the rhythm yeah uh, mm-hmm. in there um and it, it's sort of more it isn't as sort of jerky and staccato and weird as tmbg's original it's kind of more like about keeping that rhythm going all the way mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. but when it gets to the chorus that then he has kind of done a perhaps a better job than the last one we listened to of sort of keeping that kind of slightly off kilter. Some, uh, 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 uh. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, you know, I don't want to criticize, I guess more of a constructive criticism I would say is that this is obviously a drum machine and drum machines have trouble sometimes with, so when you're saying you like the kind of off kilter feel to me, it doesn't sync up exactly like it should. And maybe that's by design. But like, yeah, drum machines, you can do triplets, but it's tricky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes, depending on what program you have or what drum machine you have, there might be a little bloop. You hit it and it goes to like quarter note triplets or something. Because this, like I like I described when uh, um, we were talking about it initially, the someone keeps is a quarter note. Well, I guess with how quick the tempo is. Someone keeps... It's actually a half note triplet, so it's very yeah, slow. It's tri- like very slow triplet. While yeah, while the um, 
So then you what's kinda... keeping the Yeah, so there's like this 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 push and pull this like polyrhythm going on. And yeah. the drum machine I, I think doesn't this, quite a... sync up the way it should. No, or not the, way that maybe I not think the drums. Yeah. But overall though, I thought this this sort of captured that better. You oh, know, definitely. So for for a, a homegrown recording, I can't fault it. But the like the last cover we listened to kind of went a slightly different way with that with the sax playing. It kind of kept a more it sort of followed the vocal, didn't it, a bit more closely. Right. So both have different qualities, but yeah, yeah. I, I like this. Yeah. And that's what makes for, you know, if it's a 76-track comp with <laughs> multiple covers of each, I think, I think what did what did she say? Did he say, I think he said there was one that he actually turned away. It was really? someone, it was someone that was already on it a few times, or at least a couple uh-huh. times, to so that he didn't feel so bad. But he's like, your version is a lot like this other version. And that person, that's their only one or something. I can't yeah. remember exactly which one oh, I said. Well, that, so. that seems a fair choice, yeah. But I don't think anyone you know, missed out on getting on this thing. So Yeah, no, this person that he, he, he turned away their one cover. I can't remember which song he said. I've just been recording so much I can't keep it all straight. <laughs> so many podcast episodes. Uh, yeah, but anyway, so yeah, good job to, to Joel, guest host. Yeah, um, well done. I, I hope you don't take my criticism too hard there. It's just me as a music nerd. I'm like, that's not quite the three against two of the original. But again, could no. have been by design to make it even more herky-jerky. And it definitely with, is With 74 tracks on this epic Holy record, cow. though, you, you kind of got to find a way to differentiate <laughs> them, though, haven't you? You know, you kind yeah. of got to find a way. You know, that's the one with the, uh, yeah. <laughs> so now we're moving on to, well, this is, this is, um, even though she doesn't list her real name on this, Carrie Hearn is the other uh, cover of Someone Keeps Moving My Chair. Carrie Hearn has been on the uh, Mrs. Bluebeard episode as well as the Strings um, exclusive about orchestral strings and They Might Be Giant songs. Carrie is awesome and a very talented singer and violinist. And here we've got her playing some electric guitar, which I think she she made some post in Misk T or shit posting about with a video of her recording it. And she's like, my electric guitar skills aren't the greatest. She, she always likes to have like a disclaimer, like she's still, you know, building her confidence on the guitar and she is a fine guitarist, but uh, she's always very, you know, self-deprecating or putting a disclaimer in there. So Carrie, stop doing that. You're a, you're a good guitarist. You're doing great. So uh, this, I'm, I don't even know how to pronounce this. Do you think it's Jessicat? 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 Jackie Cat? Jackie Cat? Jessie Cat? I don't know if the C is supposed to be the K or the S. So I don't know. She, she'll Jessica clear that up. Jessicat. 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 Maybe this will prompt her to actually leave a voicemail and, and pronounce it for us. Yeah, return my calls. <laughs> she's like, I'm too shy. <laughs> well, like she's emailed in and tweeted at me all the time about stuff uh, after episodes air. But she's like, I tried to get her to leave a voicemail once because uh-huh. it's mostly Spencer and then other people sprinkled in. And uh, she's like, oh, I'll just write you an email. I'm like, come on, leave me a voicemail. And she's like, I don't know. So tell us, Carrie. Jessica, I don't know. Yeah. Let's listen to Carrie's cover of Someone Keeps Moving My Chair. <laughs> Mr. Horrible Telephone call for Mr. 
Mr. Horrible. But before he can talk to the ugliness man, there's some horrible business left for him to attend to. Something unpleasant was spilled on his brain as he sponges it off. They say, is this horrible? Is this horrible? It's the ugliness man, Mr. Horrible. We're just trying to bug you. We thought that our dreadfulness might be a thing to annoy you with. But Mr. Horrible says, I don't mind. The thing that bothers me is someone keeps moving. Do you mind if we balance this glass of milk where you're visiting cool. friend accidentally? Yes. And mm. again, a very different take on it. What'd you think of uh Jessica? I'm just gonna say it's I'm just gonna Jessica. call it Carrie's cover. <laughs> we have to agree on something. Yeah, well it, it's Jessica now. Let's face it. You know whether whether yeah. she liked it or not. Yeah, um, we've decided. This is this is the well. This is the one you're going to remember, isn't it? Off this '74 track record, um, because it, like you said, it's a completely different take uh, on the song. Um, I enjoyed it a lot more second time, like because it's it's jarring when you hear when you're expecting a song to go a certain way because it's a right. cover right. of one of your favorite songs, and then. It's so different. But um, yeah, on, on second listen, I, I, it's got some qualities about it. Um, the guitar, did she, Did you say she was quite self-deprecating about her guitar skills? Oh, always. Yeah. She, yeah. Like almost oh, well, every YouTube, she has like a YouTube channel just full of covers of They Might Be Giants, like yours, like your YouTube. But it's like almost everyone, I feel like there's a little blurb in the YouTube thing like, I just learned this. It's not that good. And I'm like, come on, Carrie. That was, it was <laughs> well, good. you know what it reminded me of? It, and and I hope this is this is not a backhanded compliment. This is like, you know, I'm trying to think of, of like why I like this. You know, so, sometimes Linnell plays guitar and he, he obviously <laughs> isn't the guitarist, is sometimes. he? But yeah. but when well, when Linnell plays the guitar, it's because he, he must think, you know, my slightly lesser guitar skills here are going to fit this song. And I'm trying to think of some examples, but like, like I think Mr. Claw is oh, Linnell, yeah. isn't it? What's the one that's like, Oh, yeah. Oh, Mainstream USA. Yes. Yeah. Flip that guy the bird. That one's Linnell playing guitar, right? I Very possible. I don't know, actually. I'm going to go to the wiki. But yeah, go ahead. Keep giving your thoughts. Yeah. I'm going I'm to fact check. But this. yeah, sometimes Linnell plays gu- guitar, you know, and, uh, and sometimes I'm not a guitarist. Sometimes I play guitar when I think I can just about get away with it. And, um, and so, you know, there's, there's a time and a place for, uh, for you know, the uh, super skilled guitarist, but there's also a time and a place for someone that can just chock out a few chords and, and it's good. And what... She, because it does sound like it's been done in one take with the vocal and the guitar, which is good because the guitar's keeping keeping up with the vocal. Yeah, you know, I, I think if it had been, you know, a, her playing guitar and someone else vocalizing, it may not have, have turned out like the way it did. But it, you yeah, know, it's, I, I believe actually, yeah. Now that I'm thinking about it, me and her talked about this before she submitted it, and um, I was telling her that she should start her own band camp. And even if she wanted to, just rip the audio off of all of her YouTube 
covers because mm. it would be cool to have it all collected together. Because for me, I don't listen to music on YouTube. I look for covers on YouTube. But if I want to just listen to an album or whatever, YouTube is not the way I go ever. Um, but if she made a band camp, like I would listen to it. I'd be able to, you know, work on other stuff. I wouldn't have to look at a video. It would just be the audio and play through all the covers that she's done. <laughs> You know, and I think that's what she did is she because she posted that she posted a video and she's like, here's my submission. And it was a video, um, not just audio. And this was before the thing came out. And I think she just ripped the audio. Mm -hmm. And so she said her dad has some recording equipment. And because I mean, we were talking about this in the accordion, you know, sneak peek that behind the curtain, there's going to be an accordion focused Patreon episode. Uh, which both Daryl and myself and Carrie and a bunch of other people are going to be participating in. She's like, oh, I could go to my dad's house and record. Um, I think, you know, I should give her, and as a teacher, I like to help people do new things and explore their art and help them with what they may not be know that much about and with, with recording stuff, and her dad would know. Um, she's getting a lot of string noise on this recording, Okay, because she's taking it. It's audio through a camera, I believe, because you can hear it's almost like there's two guitar tracks. At first, I was like, oh, there's an acoustic guitar and an electric guitar. Right. No, there's just an electric because Uh. the camera because she's sitting close enough to the camera that it's getting the string noise straight off the electric and what's coming out of the amp. Well, that's a really interesting quality to that. Yeah, for sure. But like if she had put a mic right up to the amp. You There's a lot of string noise on XTC songs, noise. isn't there? That's that's a sort of characteristic of XTC's music that the string noise is very often heard. Oh, you know what? I'd have to pay attention to that more. If, is is there an album in particular? Or is that kind of just a trick that they do? Uh, I don't know if I've ever paid attention to that specific aspect of their. I'd have to get back to you because, <laughs> like you know, I'm, I'm, my encyc- knowledge isn't as encyclopedic as uh, as other people's. But um, we were, I was talking about this with um, my guitarist friend Matt the other uh-huh. day, and uh, yeah, he was just saying this. You know, it's it's either deliberate or it's accidental, and then it's been left in. You know, but either yeah, way, yeah, you know, or like the kind of thing that TMBG do sometimes, where it's like, oh, this was the demo, but then they're like, hey, that came out better than the actual studio recording. Yeah, exactly. The demo guitar. I think has, it's. Um, yeah. I think it's I'm impressed, isn't it? Where they they recorded a demo mm. and they were just like, we can't get it better than this. And isn't that the way? Sometimes you record a demo and you intend it to be like a rough version, but you just think it that was just a happy accident, a great Captured, recording. Captured I ca- some magic, yeah. I mean, yeah. Toddler Highway was like that. I know that for sure. All right, okay. That was the demo that made it onto the Pink album because they tried to re-record it and it just they couldn't get it right. Yeah. Um, oh, but we I was correct that John Linnell plays the guitar on Mainstream USA. Oh, genius. Well, there you go. And, you know, it's it's a perfect song. You know, you you don't go, this is a, a song with, you know, not very good guitar skills. You know, this, with TMBG's music, the song drives everything, isn't it? They go the way that the song's going to go. So, you know, I, anyway, I, I really this think this is a, this is a, a good um, recording. Um, I yeah. think there's, I don't think there's a bad track on this compilation. And I'm I'm really proud to be part of it. So, yeah, uh, yeah well yeah. done, Carrie. Your guitar skills are only going to get better. Yeah, I mean, come on. I, I love her voice, which we need to mention. Um, and the range, she's got a great range because uh, it's pretty low for her for the most part. 
And yeah. I, th- I think she said that she considered herself that she's an alto, you know, in, in the same group she's been in. But she's she can get pretty high, too. I mean, she's got a good low range, kind of like my wife. And she's got um, last times me and my wife sing in unison. You know, we, we my my upper range and her lower range overlap quite a bit. Oh, that must be that'd be a beautiful thing. <laughs> to hear <laughs> we yeah I thinking, no I'm, I'm telling you like not like yeah. i don't have to go falsetto to be able to reach her low range you know she's an alto and i'm a tenor but it's um, really hard for girls yeah. to sing tmbg songs though isn't it because they they sing they don't sing i mean apart from when fans goes falsetto they don't really sing uh you know in a high voice they they're both quite low um i mean obviously when you're doing a cover you can change the key you can do whatever but i think it must be really tricky for girls to sing along with TMBG in the original key. So, yeah, um, you know, I mean, hold on, you know, let me check real quick. If she has this on video, we'd be able to tell if she changed the key because <laughs> we could look at her fingers. Um, <laughs> I've just listened. We've just listened to three in a row. I, th- I think it is. I think she's kept the key. I think so. Here it is. Okay, I'm watching the video. Cat two five two zero is the YouTube channel. Let's see. Okay, well, she's doing a lot of bar chords. Let's see, F and E flat. Yep, she kept the key. F and E flat. Yeah. We we at length talked about the key of this song. <laughs> Was it so, F Durian F or e something? Flat. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and uh, you know what? I, I was th- I was yeah. just remembering actually, off to- uh, going slightly off t- a tangent. That yeah. I think by your definition, statue got me high is in must be in G Durian. Then because they, that kind of goes from G to F, doesn't it? And then down I haven't to started notating D. this at all. <laughs> Let's find out. Like the first, the first. Um, this for people behind the curtain. I might as well leave this in. They, we're going to do a massive accordion cover of the statue got me high. Uh, let's see. Well, the wiki says G major, but as we've discovered, that's not always the case. G F D. Anyway, we'll that, figure that out later. That, we don't well, need that would to make be the, this that's the, the same episode as, on statue. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, you, uh, early on in this episode, though, like we talked about how the the this opening key is, uh, you know, it's F, isn't it? And then it goes down to E flat major, uh-huh. which, you know, you, that was your sort of your big thing, wasn't it? That this is an unusual key change, so. Yeah. And a lot of people make the mistake that, especially guitarists, where like, Oh, the first chord, that's the key. But that's not always of the Of course case, not, no. Right? No. I mean, if anything, go to the last chord to be sure. Is the last chord is more likely to be the key, uh, but even not necessarily then if it's some sort of weird half cadence or deceptive cadence. But yeah, but the word statue lands right on F. This song may actually be an F, but let's not talk about that right now because I need no. to. And that's a D major. I'm See, now I'm already thinking about it. You got me off topic. <laughs> I blame you completely. So let's get off the phone here. This episode okay. is already coming in at... Whoa, this is... Holy shit. Did we go for over two hours total? Uh, we did. I think this podcast is might actually be longer than the song posting album. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to get in here and talk about these three covers. Uh, so I'm glad we met up again online. So I think now this is going to be the end of this spliced in part. And now we're going to score the song, probably. So there we go. I think we are finally to the final segment of the show in which I force you to score this song. Score out of what? Is it out of 10? Yes, 1 to 10. You can use decimals or fractions if you really prefer. And uh, 1 to 10, 
ranking it in the pantheon of they might be giants. So kind of like how you do, I don't know if you've ever ranked stuff on TMBW. Um, you know, if you make an account, you can you can score songs on their song pages of the wiki. So kind of kind of like that. Uh, so whatever your number ten would be, like a score of ten, if it's Birdhouse or Anning or whatever, whatever your ten is, you know, scoring it ranked against that yeah. kind of. You know, um, I know I'm tempted to say nine because <laughs> I always think, you know, if you say ten, then where do you go after that? You know, I mean, but I, I don't think every song is a ten. But I, I actually really genuinely think that this is the perfect They Might Be Giant song. It's got, like, everything about it that I, I like about their music. So for me, personally, right. I, I, I think i got to say 10. All right. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to give this a 7.9. I, I really like it, but again... The Flood is just such an amazing album, and 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 not and even just not thinking of their entire catalog, even just thinking of the track listing of Flood, how solid it is. I think I got to go seven point nine because I got to leave room above that for stuff like Birdhouse. We want a rock. Um, Particle Man might be above it. Istanbul, I ranked below it. What did I give Istanbul? I think I'm just sick of Istanbul. I gave that uh. Six. <laughs> I don't know. So, well, I guess it's I really hard to rate a cover version, though, isn't it? I mean, like, you, you know, I, I've described it as the perfect They Might Be Giant song. Um, but, like, in Istanbul, it's a it's a perfect fit for them. But, it you know, it's not their song, is it? So... I guess right. I don't. I, and that's yeah. That's I do. Feel, I do feel weird about me. about saying ten <laughs> straight off. Because, but like, are you are you re are you rescinding your score? No, 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 no. I'm sticking with it because like I, I see your issue, and I'm thinking the same thing that you, you can't go around scoring everything ten out of ten because then you've you've literally nowhere to go. But I ch- I chose this song because you know it's yeah. it's was there. Yeah, I mean, it has a lot of meaning for me because it, it was one of my favorite songs off the first album that I ever had. Um, and to me, it remains, it's the perfect, it's an example of a perfect TMBG song. So yeah, I'm sticking with, I'm sticking with my score. I can't think of a song well, that I would yeah. rank higher. I can think, I can think of songs that I would rank equally, but I, I can't think of a, a song that I would rank higher. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy with my in score. In their whole catalog or on Flood? Oh, in their whole catalog. I mean, wow. There's songs. I think the songs on most albums that are nine or ten, you know, (laughs) most albums. Yeah, I know. I know. know. I've I've had to think about them in a different light since starting this podcast. And you know, uh, who knows if I'll if I'll complete the project and catch up to where they're at and do an episode on every song. It'll take me about twenty years to complete this project. So how am I going to catch them when they put out fifty-two songs in in a year? I mean, holy cow! I. I think thinking about these songs differently and having to like I, I I'm almost like embarrassed that I gave Istanbul a six. Not that I don't think it deserves it, but just like telling the world I'm like, ah, it's a six. But they're my favorite band. Like that feels weird to say a song is a six, but they can't all be tens. I've given No. Doctor Worm a ten. Let's see, I've only given a handful and I've done sixty five episodes. Doctor Worm got a ten. Um, I had a couple 9.9s, like Everything Right is Wrong Again and Anna Ng. Dr. Worm got a 10. She's an Angel got a 10. We Want a Rock got a 10. And Birdhouse got a 10. That's it. Yeah. For I mean, me this th- far. You know, we, you mentioned earlier on that, that I'd, I've done a couple of tracks for this um, Flood 
cover project thing that some one of the other groups and um i i deliberately chose songs that i did not particularly like off flood because i just thought what's the point in everybody doing their favorite song you know you, if if you pick a right if you try and cover a 10 your personal 10 if it's the perfect song you can only make Your it worse short. you can only make it worse yeah, <laughs> yeah. um yeah you know, or, or, or cover it <laughs> so why... faithfully that it's pointless. So, um, right. yeah, I mean, the songs that I chose to cover off Flood were Hot Char, which I uh-huh. I, I hated at the time. Um, now, wow. I, I love it. It is one of my, it is one of the better songs on the on the album. I, I just didn't like it at the time I first heard it. It was just too, I guess I, I didn't, I couldn't see it for what it was. Um, right. But, you know, it's an odd duck, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've also done a cover of Istanbul, which you know is a is a great, nice. great life song. But um, yeah, I, I guess if I'm in a hurry, I would skip it because I just think ah, they didn't write it. <laughs> um, right. You know. Yeah. If you haven't listened to that episode, I think you should. I had my parents on there, and my dad's a history buff, so we actually got into the whole uh, city changing names thing. Wow. <laughs> Yep. Uh, I like to take it to, to weird places, just like we talked about uh, the Dorian mode. We talked about uh, you laid down some knowledge of uh, the chips, sound chips. Yeah. And we. bit sound chips. And we, and, we, and we, stu- uh, we, yeah, st- we stalked a guy in a Scottish car park. <laughs> hey, you know, you put art on, you know, it's just like how we stalk the Johns. I mean, the Johns would be horrified if. Think, think of if John Linnell joined the this they might be shit posting facebook group and just saw what people were posting he would be horrified and break up the band no. <laughs> maybe what have i done yeah so i think we better wrap this up cuz yeah. even with the technical difficulties this is a 2 hour episode Ugh. and i think you know given my fans the content i people do appreciate that i've never had anyone complain about a long episode so thank you for taking so much time out of your day. You're very welcome, uh, Daryl. And and I'm very glad to have the illustrious, uh, uh, prolific Astral B on uh, an episode finally. Well, that's very <laughs> kind. Thank you. Yeah, uh, no, it's it's, it's to nice to get to know the guy that's attached to those hands. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> These hands. <laughs> yeah, just see your hands. Yeah, you're not wearing as many rings as you did back in uh, 2008. <laughs> no, that's that's my wife's uh, influence. Stop wearing the rings. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> you look like you look like an Italian mobster with all you're on the Sopranos with all these rings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I really don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I guess I thought, well, you know, in case you had to punch a guy. <laughs> You can't see anything but my hands. I'm going to really bling these hands out. No, I did. I did used to wear a lot of rings. I I, I don't know why. As you know, I'm uh, I'm past that now. No, just, I'm just, just the one. It's just it's just when you held up your hands there. It's just an observation. Uh, no criticism. <laughs> I love the fact. I love the fact that your hands are in the focus. And actually, we talked about you on the mammal episode uh, I recorded two days ago, and it, it'll be out a couple of weeks before years before this. Uh, Hutch Harris really appreciate it too and he said he was going to sit down at a piano and try to learn mammal because of your mammal video oh wow because he's like i love when people just show their hands up close because then it helps you learn it yeah well that was the idea yeah 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 so so yeah awesome so people should go to your youtube channel astral b a s t r a l b e e right did i get that right 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I think so people should go and check out your videos. People should go and check out your videos. There's also awesome uh, the live footage of you and your friend. What's your friend's name in that live? Oh, that's one you uh, did where you... that's Matt Cartwright. Um, yeah, he's uh, he, he's a, a good guitarist and. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, I went to school with Matt at junior school, um, but we were not friends. I mean, he was the year above me, um, and um, when I say we're not friends, we weren't like bitter enemies or anything. But you know, we we, we didn't really hang out, and uh, we just sort of ran into each other uh, at work um, a few years ago. I had a "They Might Be Giants" sticker on the back of my phone, and he just saw it and said, "You're you're a They Might Be Giants fan." <laughs> and that was it. Next minute, nice. we're we're kind of doing covers, <laughs> and he's a left lefty as well. He's a he's a left-handed guitarist. You know, someone uh, wrote a comment on the video yeah. like, "Wow, you know, he's so committed to being a you know a Flans tribute act that he's playing it left-handed." No, he really is left-handed. <laughs> that's I think that's the exact comment that the same guest Hutch Harris from Mammal. He was on the Dead episode, and like I said, we played that your cover of it. And I think he said that exact thing. He said he even got a left-handed guitarist like Flans. <laughs> <laughs> so perfect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. N- never a more true They Might Be Giants tribute band was there. A duo with backing tracks, left-handed guitarist and accordion. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the idea that we, we wanted to try and do their original kind of duo setup. But we did a couple of newer songs. I think we did uh, The Cap'n. And um, or maybe that was just the only nice. new one. Yeah. And see the constellation actually, which was I know that came out in their sort of duo era, but um, I'd never heard it live uh, as a duo, and I, I I just wanted to hear that so much as a you know as a live performance. When I when I made the backing track for See the Constellation, um, I actually uh, used a, a new sample, a fresh sample of um, the Ramones doing the one two three four. Um, I think I I Very listened nice. I listened to like. 20 different Ramones tracks trying to find the right one, two, three, four. <laughs> one that sounded like the sample from See the Constellation. Yeah. So I, I think I got the right one. for someone to crack that and know which one Flans actually used. Uh, oh, well, I've totally, I've totally forgotten which one I use now, but it, it sounds pretty authentic. It, um, you know, the, I, it took a long time to sort of cut it up and get it right. But um, yeah, yeah I, I think I, I found the right song, but I don't know which song it was. Nice. I'd have to... Go back and look yeah. at my my, um, oh. my files and see if I can find out which one it was. Awesome. Well, I think we should wrap this up because I, yeah. I think I've successfully used used my daughter's entire nap time to uh, record an extremely long podcast, and she's probably going to wake up pretty soon. So okay. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I I'd say we covered all the bases on this song. <laughs> one of the most comprehensive episodes so thank you for being a very comprehensive and long-winded guest just uh, matching my long-windedness so okay <laughs> you're welcome we rocked it high fives over the internet okay so thanks again daryl and okay. let me just do my credits real quick thanks everybody for listening to this might be a podcast uh, if you really like what you're hearing, go to the patreon.com slash this might be a podcast. I just put up a new special a couple weeks ago with Adam Gorin, Adam and his package, uh, talking about state songs tracks four through six. 
and that's up there. There's a free teaser on the main feed. Uh, so please subscribe, give us the, all the stars and all the whatevers, thumbs up and all that stuff, or write a review if you want. You can contact me, uh, this might be a pod, at Gmail, on Twitter, at this might be a pod, Facebook.com slash this might be a podcast. What else? Um, oh, check out this might be a podcast.bandcamp.com to hear lots of cool covers by me and other people collaborating and such. And. Oh, yeah, leave me a voicemail at uh, 801-224-2930. And that's it. Thank you, Daryl. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, see you around.